Welcome to the Cognitive Rampage. I'm your host, Adam Lowry. As usual, we are powered by Onnit, as usual. And if you would, go to adamlowry.com or cognitiverampage.com, find the Onnit logo, click on that, and you will get discounts on your first order, plus some Rampage discounts as well. If you are not familiar with Onnit by now, uh, you're not on the internet. But the Onnit.com is essentially a total human optimization site. It's everything, earth-grown performance, uh, training, fitness, nutrition, you name it. They even have the Onnit Academy, which is basically a plethora of every, I don't know, what would you call it, professional person you know about training on the planet, really. Everything. Everything, man. But, um, yeah, check it out. Just go to onnit.com. Um, I am a fan of the alpha brain. I am a fan of the new mood. I'm a fan of the, well, you know, I'm a fan of everything. Uh, I got, what is it, earth grown nutrients sitting on the table, new mood on the table, alpha brain on the table. Shroom tech. Shroom tech on the table. Uh, and uh, this is Jim, and that's Dale over in the corner, as I always say, the two primal bells that I have here when that's swinging around. But, um, they're keeping an eye on the place. <laughs> They're watching it for me. But if you haven't already, go to adamlowry.com or cognitiverampage.com. Find the On It logo, click on that, and place your first order, and you will be helping support the Cognitive Rampage podcast, uh, as well as keeping your body, mind, and life totally humanly optimized. My guest today on the Cognitive Rampage podcast is Eric Kimmer. Um, Eric Kimmer actually reached out to me after hearing me on Joe Rogan, reached out to me, uh, reached out to me through Twitter, um, just liked uh, a lot of what I was saying. Uh, he has been in treatment uh, before long ago in his life and now has uh, opened up the first holistic intensive outpatient treatment facility in Florida. And basically, they're getting people off of dope without using synthetics. They're still using the typical detox method, but after detox, you would show up to them and they holistically, uh, using amino acids, uh, all kinds of other uh, treatments, get people assimilated in four or in six to eight weeks, you know, and get them ready uh, back for, uh, I don't know, life again, you know. But Eric's got one hell of a story, man. Uh, it started out in, so uh, in SoCal, in Southern California. And he ended up going to prison uh, young. We talk about his adventures in prison and how, um, you know, his wife, who he just recently married, uh, Brooke Kimmer, helped uh, 10 years ago direct his life um, all the way up to where it is now. But I love talking to uh, my friend, Eric Kimmer. What's going on, Eric? Oh, just getting used to Florida, the Florida model. No, <laughs> what's the Florida model? Well, we came out from California, learning about the Florida model for treatment centers and things like that, and uh, we came out to learn about it. And we came across this place called Artesian Recovery and Wellness Centers, and that's where we're partnering up with now. And uh, it's more about the wellness than it is about the treatment. Yeah, the treatment center and everything else, right? Because right. that's how we ended up linking up. Um, when we were talking is, uh, you hit me up online. Actually, you found me, I think through Twitter. I heard, found you on Twitter. I heard what you had to say and, uh, I disagreed with it uh, 110%. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't put it and I, I was amazed just to hear it. It's like someone was coming out of the radio talking to me about the belief of the way you look at treatment is, is what I've been trying to put together even f further ahead of what I had, you yeah. know? So I really got a, a, a better perspective of it from, from my background and then 
with yours as well. Kind of two different backgrounds, but have the same, we have the same ideas. Dude, that is too kind, man. And so, so basically where I came from, I came from, uh, uh, I went through the system when I was younger. I got, I got sucked into drugs and I ended up in prison. And, uh, a lot of it where it came from is, is, is people getting decriminalization of, of, of drugs would be ideal. You know what I mean? Uh, or the, I just don't want anybody to go through what I had to go through. So where you where do you come from and where you born where you I was, raised? I was born in Southern California, and uh, I just got caught up running around the streets in Orange County and uh, just just a drug addict really. And and I, I would I wouldn't wasn't really a criminal until I went to prison, and then I really learned how to be a criminal. Damn, when'd you go? How old were you? I was about twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah, and I got sentenced sixteen months. I ended up doing a year in Calipatria, and then due to my age. And a couple other things on my record, they put me through a level four prison and ended up on a level one prison. But it was, uh, it was, a, you know, I over for someone that was just a drug addict. I mean, that's the only thing I had going on. I was a drug addict. What was your drug of choice? Meth. It was all over the place out there in Orange County. I was oh, in a punk rock band and I did a bunch of crazy things like that. And I just went with it. And, uh, uh, but you know, meth was just, it just answered to me. And I think what, what it helped me out a lot is because I had real problems in school. I wasn't really really good in school, and then all of a sudden, I tried that and thought that was all the answers. You know what I mean? And that was wasn't without a doctor telling me. You know, if I can imagine kids these days, they got a doctor telling them, "Oh, Adderall," and boom, you feel better and you can focus. You can do things you couldn't do before. So for you, it was that first automatic hit that you had. That so the one shot for you, and it had you. That was the answer. No you know? shit. And 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 I didn't even have. To, I knew it was bad for me because before I tried it. I just had, you know, been programmed. Oh, it's bad for you. I never thought I would. Ever the just say it. no era, right? You? Right. Yeah. yeah. There. You know. Good and really efficient that was. Right, and, and <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I read somewhere that that there was a the, the big problem is that that when people they tell people once you try it you're hooked, and you're telling kids that, and they're gonna believe that. Yeah. You know, so when they, when they start to when they grow older and they try it once, then they automatically associate with the fact that. That's I'm stuck now. Whoa, dude! They just believe it. I'm glad you say. Wow, I never really said it like that. That is unique because I, I what I say is look, you know, education, talking to your kids, informing them what it is. Because look, if you're telling your kid, look, marijuana is the devil, it's demon, reefer madness, and, right? And right, yeah, thank you. That's a much better sum up, reefer madness. And then your teenager decides to, given the averages, yeah, talk a little bit, right. and then they go. Oh, I don't want to be a stripper right now and prostitute myself and sell everything I own. I actually feel really fucking good. Right. And then they, what else did they lie to me about? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like that perspective that you're saying. That's a really cool notion. That well, not a cool notion. You know what I'm saying? Is that yeah? People, it's just if you just change the way you look at things. You know, if 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 they were programming that programming that into someone's ki- their head when they're a kid, they're just going to listen to what they, the adults tell them. They're going to be well. They must be right. They must be right. That must be the truth. And that's what's going to happen to me. And since I've already tried it, I'm already done. I might as well give up. Wow, because that well plays into it. Because once they start, to, first they start telling you you're a fucking disease. Now you got a disease, and now you're stuck with it for life. And you've been told since you were a kid that once you hit it, right, off the rails, off the you, rails go. you go. So yeah. mix all that together. Yeah, and, and so that was kind of what happened with me. I started to believe it. You know, and, and it wasn't my parents or anything. It was mostly this, you know, it was the uh, the system, their system. You know, so that I, I got brainwashed with that and so i was spent my whole 20s you know getting worse and worse and worse went to prison learned how to do all kinds of fucked up shit and then started doing that and then all i learned how to do there is get away with shit 
So mm. I never really went back. There's no rehabilitation. No, no, no. I just, I got really hip to things I should have never, I, and I really don't want people to have to go through what I went through. And I was a pretty normal, decent dude. And then I went to prison. I started, well, I, I did things I didn't in prison I would never do. How did they handle the withdrawal symptoms in prison? Well, they just, well, they'll give you, they'll give you, for me, I never did heroin. I never had anything, any, any right. attraction to it. So I never, my withdrawal system was just sleep. Right. But I've seen the people in there, they can get whatever they want. You know, you say, oh, I got, you know, I, these guys were taking pills, put, putting it on their tongue, and then selling Cyprexa back to the other bunkies. And then that was just, then boom, then they got their own little market going on. They're getting their free soups. They start running things like that just off of the, the pills that they get from, from the system. Goddamn dope boys are even selling dope inside a prison. Yeah. The prisoners that are right. arrested for selling the dope that they got from the doctor originally on the outside. Yeah. kind of shit is that? Isn't that weird? What the fuck? And then and it, it just, it just perpetuates into it. So, so my background, when I came into that, I got sober, I got clean, and uh, uh, and I, I started doing a sober living house in Fullerton, and that didn't really work out. Uh, the guy that was uh, wanted to do it with me, he was more thinking, well, let's just get all the connections in here. We can do whatever we want. You can start slanging. Yeah, he can start. Well, I'm, I'm, Dude, I'm, I'm, I know this I'm guy. I'm really clean. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not trying to play this game like you're trying to play. Yeah. And so I had to get out of that. I, I know this guy had a sober house, man, and I'm going to no names, but he would recruit people to come into a sober house, right? And um, as he would get people to come into the sober house, he would take their money, first month's rent. Then he would send his buddy to go in there and slang. And now after he would go in there and slang, then he would just show up randomly, pop them all with drugs, kick them all out of the house, keep all the deposit money, plus keep all the drugs and the money, or he'd call the cops on them. Keeps all the dope that her buddy just sold him, all their deposit money, kicks him out of the house on the threat, and he's already got six more people with deposit money lined right back up to move in, uh, ready to do the same shit to them. Yeah, I can't believe that. You know, I can't, I can't, I, there's just so many loopholes people can do, legal or illegal, you know what I mean? And it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's sad to see, you know what I mean? So there's, there's, you know, so coming from that, then I started, work, I got, I learned pretty much everything I know about the treatment I know now from Warren Boyd. And that was about um, that was about five years ago. Okay. And, well, so you went. I'm going to back you up, brother. You were at a sober house. You started. You living in a sober house, and that wasn't working out. No. It, yeah. He wanted to start a sober house and started charging people there. And he wanted to start getting. Uh, um, were you living in a sober house uh, at the time? No, I just lived there to help start it. You know, and then we never got anybody in the door there. Once I started seeing what was going on, I just packed my shit and left. Okay. And so you tried it. So you I tried it on my own. I tried to thought I thought maybe I can figure something out and I didn't know no experience. The only thing I kinda wanted to do was have a safe place for people to I be at. Dude, I fucking love that, man. You know, I'm noticing a lot of people you probably notice too, you see them. So a lot of people you counsel, they really turn to like I wanna fucking help people. Right. And so you come right out of prison off of meth and you're right into a, a sober home. And then ready to start a, trying to start a business maybe with somebody, but buddy didn't want to do it right. He didn't want to do it right. And it was interesting to me. And uh, so I got hooked up with this other guy and he started showing me everything that he knows about, you know, dealing with people. And I, he put me dealing with the hardest people you can find. He was known for finding the people that were really extremely hard to deal with. Nobody could get them sober. And we, a lot of times we had to do a little maneuvering to get them to believe it. Who were you working with? I was working with Warren Boyd. Oh, say, so how did you meet him? Uh, he knew someone that uh, I knew, and they were working together with a nurse that he had. And she said, you know, if you really want to get this uh, get this business going or start getting familiar with it, this is the guy you got to talk to. So she got us together, and I just started learning everything I could from him. So you just volunteered your whole mind, body, and soul to this dude and says, teach me some shit. Teach me some shit, man. And that was it. I just started 
and I just soaked it in. You know, it fucking awesome, man. Yeah, it was it was great, and I got to deal with some people that people won't deal with. They give up on. They think there's no way to get them better. You went at the heart. So he, what did he do? Saying, "Bring me your worst." Bring he brings the worst. People bring them the worst. Brings yeah. them the worst. You know, it's really hard for him. Uh, it's it's he he goes after the, he he doesn't want an easy client. He doesn't go. He doesn't handle it. You know, every, everything's outside the box. Fuck. Yeah. So it was it was interesting to. to Dude, I want to. I, I I gotta go back to your mindset, dude. What was your mindset at this time, dude? Like, I'm like, you know what I mean? Help people, because there's people, dude, that are just coming out of prison. There's friends friends that I have that have been to prison, you know, that are listening to this podcast, you know, that are on that border like you at that at, like you were at that time. Yeah. And sitting there going, I want to help, but they have no education whatsoever. They think that's the only path, which right. I, I tell them it's not. And yeah. they're sitting there. So what is your mind frame, dude? How do you kick this shit and go, this is what I'm going to do? Well, the first thing I started doing was eating right and getting healthy. I ran the uh, Long Beach Marathon, which I didn't think I would do. So I, you, you just went, I'm going to be a fucking fitness nut. I'm going to be a nut, right. And I started eating right, um, kale shakes, things like that. Um, and uh, I just ran every day. I just started running. I put, I put a goal. First thing, my, my younger brother, Brandon, hooked me up with a, a Tough Mudder ticket. And he said, let's do this. And he knew, he knew my situation. He'd seen me going through it, and I was the, pretty much the bad example for uh, what not to do. And he, he ended up flying straight. You Did know? you ever play sports or anything in oh, high school? I was, a, I, was a, I was a lot of things that triggered it. I was a football player, and then I, uh, I broke my leg. And then I was out for like six months, and I kind of lost every opportunity I had with that. So I just said, fuck it. Yep, that's how it goes, the fuck it philosophy. The fuck it philosophy. And I was like, you know, there you go. I'm already on drugs. Might as well give up. That's it, man. And that's what happened. And then, so this tough mutter, and all of a sudden you're tough fucking mutter, ready. Yeah, we just started hitting it, and, and doing that was an adventure in, in itself because I was really out of shape. I was like 300 pounds. Holy shit! Yeah, it was ridiculous. You know, I, when I couldn't tie my shoes. You're Jack now, dude. Yeah, yeah. It, it was been, that was a long time ago, man. But uh, uh, I just just started working out and running every day, eating right, and uh, and found Warren Boyd. I found Warren Boyd. He got me set up doing so a uh, mentorship, really. Yeah, yeah. He showed me a lot. And, he, and I got a lot of experience, which I, the kind of experience you never really get. You know, you can be in a classroom setting and learn some, learn some stuff out of a book. And, and I did do a lot of that, but uh, it doesn't really, you know, you got to put it into action, you know. And that's where a lot of, uh, you know, I benefited from that situation a lot, you know. So it was, it was, it was an adventure every time. You know, every time we had someone coming through, it was an adventure. How long did you study under him? Uh, about four years. Oh, shit. Yeah. So when you get out of prison, how old are you? I was uh, 27. Okay, so yeah. 27 after a while. So you ran the streets hard for a while. Yeah. You ran the streets hard for a while. You do a year in jail and you're in prison. Then yeah. you come out and you spend four years mentoring. Right. Now, did you go to school? Did you study? What did you do? I went. I Mostly I learned experience from Warren, and then I uh, went and got uh, the certica- certi- certification in uh, California. It's called a CADAC, C-A-A-D-A-C. Okay. And so I went and got that certification in California. And then, How long did that take you? Oh, not that long. Six months. Okay. But I took time. I just stopped working at the time. I just said, okay, I'm done. What's that stand for? <laughs> yeah. I just quit working. Oh, the CADAC? Yeah. California Association of Alcoholics and Drug Addict Counselors. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's how, that's the California version of it. Now, Florida's a lot different, which I'm finding out now, because now we've moved to Florida, and we've gotten hooked up with a wellness clinic out here, mm-hmm. and their approach is very similar to ours. They're, uh, they've helped people with traumatic brain injury, and now we're starting to move into uh, working with Project Dagger. All right. With the v, uh, wounded vets. Yeah. All and right. We're, gonna, we're looking to start that next week. All right. So we're still in Cali. 
So we're hanging out in Cali. You're doing four years getting this. I'm not even going to try that fucking acronym again, dude. KDAT. <laughs> yep, that yeah. thing. So you get you bust your ass six months while you're mentoring at the same time. Dude, you're fucking killing it, man. And then what's the training from there? So 27, you're out there. Um, now yeah. you're four years. What are you, about 33 now? I'm 37 now. No, I meant in, out in Cali. Out in Cali. Uh, I didn't move to, to Florida till August. So I spent, I spent five years, you know, after that working with, uh, with Warren and uh, this, just doing all the everything that you know, every job that he threw at me, I was I didn't turn any of them down. No, he just said fucking I'm in. Yeah, just give me everything you got. And, and I didn't do anything else but that. You know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I was just doing a job. Whatever, fucking gangster, man! I yeah. love that shit. Uh, yeah. That's my kind of gangster shit. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm still a little hood, and so when I, I I still reference it sometimes when people do that superhero shit, man. Yeah, it was it was it was a tough and then. Me and my wife here did it. You know, she worked along with me with Warren. She actually got me the job working for Warren. She was the first one working for Warren. Oh, now I'm putting this shit together. Yeah. She's not going to say anything on the podcast. She's over on the microphone, people. So uh, she's hanging out. Yeah. So but she was in the mix the whole she time. She was in the mix the whole time. And, and and she was also in the mix when I was out running around. So she's, she's seen me go how long, for... How long you been with this dude? Ten years. A fucking decade. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's We just so got cool. married uh, last month. Yeah, so that's right. You yeah. just got married yeah. and got back from where? Bali. Oh, man. Bali, Indonesia. If you ever get a chance, man, I'm telling you. The people there appreciate it. You know, where, where do I got to go? You got to go to Lovina Beach, Lovina. North, the north shore of Bali. Okay. It's amazing there. Yeah, it was, it was the people, they live third world country. They live off the land. They live off the roots and the plants and everything like that. And there, you don't see. I may never come back, dude. Yeah, exactly. You don't. If you, if I were to try to explain to him, oh, you have anxiety or you have depression, if I were to try to explain that to those people, they would probably laugh at me because they have no concept of that. You know, you're supposed to have anxiety when things get stressed out. You're supposed to have depression if you lose somebody. Yeah, that's natural. Right. Over here, when you have it, take some pills. Right. Isn't that a drag? It's fucked up, dude. That's yeah. what I call chemical incarceration. Right. That's the that's the fucking issue, man. Every time you see it on TV. I mean, that's you know, that's why I said, oh, dude, that you once we start talking that, I'm going to fucking go off. And <laughs> I want to know your story, man. And I've gone off on the podcast way too much about it. You know, so I'm I did good. See, you like that? Look at my ADHD medication again. See? <laughs> you see how that shit works? Right. Otherwise, I'd have been off on some tangent talking about what happened. Right. So you study four or five years under them. You come back now. You're married. You, I mean, oh, dude, what a fucking awesome story, man. Yeah. So what made you shoot out to Florida? Well, this uh, treatment center that we're partnering up with is called Artesian Wellness and Recovery. And uh, their approach to it is just changing everything about how you live. You start, so you came you, out here to start a... I, I started... I, well, I came out here to learn from them. Another mentorship yeah, ride. I wanted to... They, they, from what I saw online, they were saying everything that I wanted to... I was all about because that's what I was doing. But they just take it to a whole new level. They take it instead of doing uh, like putting someone on medication. Right. We'll take them and have a IV drip. They'll give an IV drip to them of uh, amino acids. No shit. That repairs the brain, the neurotransmitters of the brain. So they start firing again like they're supposed to. So rather than just pump them full of bullshit synthetics and whatever, they're actually giving them things that are turning them back on again. Yeah, it's a targeted amino acid that kind of just triggers, just just helps rebuild like any other amino acid. You lift the weights and you get sore. You take amino acids, you feel better. Right. So uh, and it helps your body rebuild. This is targeted towards the brain, towards the neurotransmitters that aren't working correctly. 
Wow. So a, a complete holistic detox. Complete holistic detox. Even if it, it's benzos? It, benzos, you, you know. You got to be we, careful, we, right? We don't detox them. We send them to a detox center. And then we just take them from, we run PHP and IOP and then transitional housing. Okay, so you're running more an, an intensive outpatient. And, and so and PHP. And so you're really working to get them off of what they're sending to you on. Because they come from a detox center with, oh, yeah, we got Seroquel, we got... 50 fucking medications. Right. And, we try, we're, and then we talk them out of it. I fucking love this shit. Yeah, I, so they show up to you and you're like, all right, we're going to get you off all that bullshit they told you was good for you. Every detox center, they come out with something. I, but it's, Do you know dude, I, mean? I, I we used to detox. I've seen them discharge with forty meds, bro. Yeah, so they come in with a bag full of medication, and they got twenty eight days for our PHP, and we just start chipping away at. Maybe you should try something else. Maybe you should try this supplement instead. Maybe you should try this diet change instead. Fucking love this shit. And so How do people know? How do they look them up? How do they find the place? Artesianrecovery.com. Artesianrecovery.com. Do that. And where are they at? They're in Stewart, Florida, which I gotta say is it. You get a Florida's got a bad reputation, especially if you're in California, right? Fort Pierce and Stewart is fucked up, right? Fort, yeah, I heard that about Fort Pierce. This little town, Stewart, it's totally different. Or no, I mean, I was thinking Port St. Lucie, Port St. Lucie, yeah, that's a little yeah, further north. That's what I meant. Yeah. Port St. Lucie and Fort Pierce are near They're each other, right next to each other. That's right. what I, yeah, not Stewart. Yeah, Stewart's just south of there, and it's it's a uh, it's ice, it's a nice, cool town, man. And I, I never thought old fishing it, town, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's right up my alley. I love that stuff. I do that's too. Another, that's another thing. Now I'm addicted to that. You know, I can be addicted to working out and fishing and stuff like that. But you know, I, I just kind of changed it a little bit. I got to fo- change my focus and 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 just keeps me going. I, if I don't go, I get a little crazy. You know, we're all fucking crazy. Now. Yeah, yeah. I just that's how I maintain it. Dude, I th- I find that so fascinating, my man. So I mean, all that whole story, dude. So you see all this adversity in one year in prison through all that with minimal support. Got got your your left hand lady there. Yeah. And you decide to just you just decided. Yeah. And when I got out of, when I got out of prison, I still ran around for a couple of years after that, but I never got caught again. And the one thing that kind of kept me <laughs> the, one, the one thing that kept me in the system was that you have to pay a restitution. It's like it's like you know thirteen thousand dollars. You know you end up owing. The government. Well, you you yeah. do a year in prison and come out with a bill, right? Yeah, you came out with, I had a, a, a bill to pay. And, that, and if you don't pay it, you don't get off probation when then it's easier for them to catch you. I love it, dude. So they put you the fuck out of jail. Here, well, prison, not jail. Put you on prison. And we all know you got to check the fucking box. And so you got to get a job to try to now right. pay. So you get out 13 grand in debt with no way to get a fucking right. job. Right. And so, they tell me that this shit ain't set the fuck up. Right. Yeah. There's no way out of it. This you know, is you, population control, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Doc, what's his name? Oh, my fucking friend. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. Doc, I'm forgetting my last show. Um, oh, my gosh. He said it. I mean, population control is real. Right. And that bottom half, dude, and, you know, that documentary, I keep mentioning it, The House I Live In, he talks about they're, they're trying to wipe out the bottom 10% of this country. It's funny because I'm half Mexican. My mm-hmm. last name's Kemmer, but I kind of, when I was inside, I, they look like, they say, you look Mexican. Why aren't you running with the Mexican guys at all? Because you guys bust them all the time. <laughs> I know if I if I go if I'm if I'm putting my name I'm running with the white dudes I don't get messed with as much. So you picked the white part of uh, it. Oh yeah, I just, I just stuck with my name. My last name's Camera. I'm not Garcia or, or, or Gonzalez. Gonzalez nothing. nothing. Right. No, I'm 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 Camera. So just just label me like that and get me through a little easier. Man. Yeah. But I, I really saw that in there too, and it really you know it's it sucks. But, yeah. You know I saw it firsthand. It is. I mean, uh, we are. It's so divided. I mean, I'm going to tell you that the prisons are as segregated as almost as the schools are. Yeah, and they 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 permit it in prison. 
they, they encourage it. They have the guards have, you know, hey, you're, you need to be walking with the Mexican guys. Hey, you need to be walking with the white guys. They, they were telling me that. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, they're telling me, hey, how come you're not walking with the Mexican guys? You know, oh, I'm not Mexican, man. I don't know. I might be half Mexican, but I'm not running with the I Mexican. thought you were a Hawaiian, I, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I got a bunch of different hats, they say. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. That's all right, man. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's sad to see that people get, get caught up like that. And then, you know, once that system's got them, dude. Once the system's got them, yeah. And I, I just, uh, honestly. Doc, Dr. Scott Perlman. Dr. Stock, that's the guy. That's who about. just hit me. Sorry about yeah. that, Doc. Dr. Scott Perlman. Yeah, he's the guy talking about population control. Yeah. I mean, it's real, brother. Yeah. I mean, once you're in the system, how do you, you know, if you wouldn't have went and said, look, mentor me, teach me some something, let me do something. Yeah, I need a, I need a profession. And, but, and this is something I'm good at. You know, I'm, I'm really good at dealing with these people that are hard and I enjoy doing it. You know, they put me in a room with some people that are just flipping out, and I'm I'm happy sitting there with them, right which is there. weird. What's you your know? tactic? How do you come at them? What's your? I don't. I, everybody is different because everybody's different. I don't have the same plan for every single person. Okay. I have to sit there and spend some time with them, get to know them, and see what's gonna t- what's gonna make them tick, and how can I make them chain chain around. You know, so everybody and my approach is different. You can't. I've read a lot of books and stuff like that, and I got like a lot of Carl Jung and stuff, that kind of philosophy, but. There's a, uh, there's always, you have to be, you have to be creative because they're being creative. You know, they're always, they're, you know, the new, the new generation of kids, they're Googling the problem so they can tell the doctor what I got. You know, those guys, right? They're yep. all, they're, they're, oh, this is what I got because I want to feel like that. If I, if I say I got this, I'm going to feel like that. So they're creative. So we just have to keep, step up our game, right? Yeah. You know, we have to keep moving forward and things have to keep evolving. I mean, we can keep the fundamental ideas of AA and there's a lot of, good stuff in there. Like people say the same thing about the Bible. You know, there's a lot of good information in there and the dig books. And I, I get that. I know there's a lot of that in there, but you don't, you know, you don't have to nail it down every time. This is how it has to be. Well, you bring up a good point. If, if the customer, if you will, uh, right. Right. Or the, Client, or, or the, the affected, as the insurance company says, the claim. Right. right. Oh my God. Isn't that how? The God, they're the claim. They're the claim. Wow. So, oh man, if the claim is getting smarter, to quote the fucking insurance companies, well, I'll quote some of the detox facilities that help hook them if the alumni, yeah. <laughs> right, keep coming repeat back. repeat offenders. Yeah, that's right, man. I've heard a bunch of them. Frequent flyers. Frequent flyers. God. Yeah. I mean, they've got labels for people that are in and out of rehabs. So if we know those being affected, to be right. truthful what they are, right. those being affected um, – are getting smarter, are getting creative, are getting more informed, they're getting more competent on how to say what they need to say, then you're right. Then the 12 steps is what, 1939? Right. And so we got the same thing since 1939. Right. But they get more creative. I love But I think the big problem is a lot of these guys are going from treatment center to treatment center to treatment center, and they just do the circuit, right? That's exactly what the fuck they do. So they hear the same thing every place they go. Ah. So they know what you're going to do. They know what you got locked and loaded what you're going to deliver next because that was in the book that they taught every other counselor all over the state and if you're going to pass this class to be this counselor be licensed like this you've taught this to do it like that so how are they not going to know they've already heard the same pitch every single time you can't beat that you know and, and the only way you can beat that is not doing what they're going to expect Ooh. oh you get me hype eric man that's the fucking exactly what the fuck i'm talking that's about that's what man. you got to do man it's exact i mean what the fuck? Now I get why when you heard me on Joe, you were like, this motherfucker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When, when I heard that, it was like you were speaking to me through the headphones. I was, I was sitting there doing the treadmill for like, like a good hour or so. And then I'm, I'm usually, you know, got a podcast going on. And, and, and I just 
I Dude, hear this guy talking about like I just I just wouldn't fucking play ball. You know when you're there and you that's just such a good point you make, man. That you're one they do travel rehab to rehab. That's that's just what they do. Right. And whether it's a set out conscious thing, okay, give or take. Some do, some don't. All right. Some are affected. We get that. Right. We're not speaking for all people affected. Right. right. Some people are just doing it. But you're right. It's the same training. It's the same classes. You know what I thought was funny is I have all those tickets, you know, the little pieces of paper they give you for all that bullshit debt you acquire. Right. And I have those things. I never took one class on the 12 steps. No, no. All of that training and education and not one, not even a fucking hour. Yeah. We didn't even do an hour. And then when I got into the clinics as a intern, I'm going, teach what? Yeah. What's step one, step two? I'm like, I don't, I saw this when I was an addict at 22. Yeah. 13 years and you motherfuckers are still teaching this shit. Right. I was like, I, I just learned a bunch of cool stuff. Think how far things have evolved just with technology. You know, everything's evolved to a certain point. You know, everything evolves. So this has got to evolve as well. And I think everybody's approaching it needs to evolve. You know, everybody has to keep an open mind, see what works. um, And just don't be quick to dump people in with medication. Yeah, it's it's the first line of defense, right? I mean, that's what we do. We go, you know, dude. I have clients that sit in front of me, even private sometimes or whatever, and it would just be, well, I I figured if I could see you, you could give me something for that. Yeah, yeah. That's I was the like, first question, what? Yeah, yeah. They they know what to say to get what they want. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'm just like, what are you really here for? Right. Oh, well, I, I got to see you twice, and I I don't know. There's probably a pill for something I'm dealing yeah. with because it's an easier answer, but. Basically, what I want, what I want to teach people, it's not going to be an easy answer. It's going to be a little harder, and that's what I did to get better. I had to really put in the work uh, physically to get the endorphins firing normally, change my diet completely. How much, you know, I I talk a lot to clients about that as the first line of defense, right? And that's the first thing you did. It's the first thing I did. First thing I did, and I mean, it seems to be it, right? Right. Do you think because people are so inundated, right, with diet and exercise, diet and exercise, that it just becomes this cognitive dissonance to where when you try to tell them an answer, they go, yeah, yeah, I fucking know. I, you told me when I was 12. Right. That they don't really take it serious? They don't take it serious. But then the other thing is they don't know any better. You know, that's the thing is you kind of like you got to go, well, let's go for as long as we can today down you, the beach and we'll come back. You know, we'll go. Let's just get out and walk around for 20 minutes and see how you feel then. You know what I mean? So – I'm trying to get, I'm trying to just, you know, if you're doing the 24 hour shifts with somebody and you're spending every day with them every waking minute and then you, for, for a week, you know, okay, let's get out at least for 20 minutes a day, get out in the sunshine. Don't be a little, how long do you think it takes? Really? Do you think it's still individual? It's up to the individual and they always have a lot of other things going on. They got life around them, you know, so they got, well, I got, you know, Christmas coming up or I got, I got a birthday or a family thing I got to go, go do, or some kind of work event. Their, their life kind of comes gets in the way. So if they kind of put everything else aside, and for me, I had nothing to lose. I said, what else, you know, what else do I got to do? What else do I got to do? That's it. I'm just going to sit there. I can't do anything when I'm fucked up. I don't get anything done, you know, and I, I know how to start over. So yeah. I just said, first and foremost, I need to take care of myself. And that's what I think a lot of people need to do. They just need to drop, drop everything else, get their head on straight, and figure out where they want to go before they start going. You know, they, they don't put the address in the GPS before they drive out of the driveway. They just start driving, and they go... Well, I'm just wandering around. That's <laughs> where I end up. It's fucking true, man. You know? Yeah, I, you know, you're right. I don't think there is really one way, but I, I would agree that wouldn't most ways at least all start with nutrition and exercise? I, I mean, would that be safe to say? Yeah. Then Some of these people that are coming through, I'm sure you've seen it before when they're coming off of an opiate, opiate heroin or anything like that, they want, <coughs> they want the coffee. Or I'm sorry, they want the uh, chocolate and the sugar. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that's what they all want. Shit, there's research showing that sugar withdrawals are as hard as heroin sometimes. Right. right. So you start taking, you got to take all of that out of it. You know I mean, and then you got to start. I mean, you can be clean off drugs, but your baseline still isn't right. You know how they, you, you're going to get a, you're going to get a better read from someone's baseline to see if they got bipolar or whatever. You don't really know. That's right. But that's w- what I was screaming. They're diagnosing bipolar by people with high school diplomas inside a admissions office. Right. But you can't really say they're anything until you might get them clean off. Even if they're not taking pills, they're still t- they're still eating sugar all day. They're still good. S- fucking point. Yeah. They're they're sitting in the house all day. They're not doing anything. They they're going to feel like shit. I'd be depressed too if I sat around like that. And I was depressed too when I was like that. And then I just said. This doesn't make sense. That is a good fucking point, man. Yeah. Yeah. I try I, and get, get get people outside doing things. You know, I take them fishing, doing things like that, because Stewart's a great town for that. And so we just get them out and give them a little, another sense of excitement. Yeah. You know, I took one kid out and I, I'm all, you know, let's do something. Let's go jump out of a plane. And I had never jumped out of a plane before and neither had he. So it was an adventure for both of us. But we said, fuck, let's go. Really? Yeah, it was great, and and he and you took him to jump out of a we, plane. We went, we went skydiving, both of us. This was your your recovery. Yeah, I, I spent the whole day doing it. I fucking love it. Yeah, and yeah, he just felt a lot better, and you know, so did I, because I had never done it either. So we were both scared, and uh, it, it was really it was a great uh, great tool, I thought. You know, but you know anything, Dude, the kitchen you're a sink. Fuck, you're you know, a beast, bro. Yeah, th- throw everything at him, whatever you can. Yeah. You know? And it just gets them out of their head, you know, because that really gets you out of your head. When you see the earth coming up at you real quick, you know, that really gets you out of your head. You start, oh, fuck it. I feel like <laughs> shit. Yeah. Dude, my wife skydived three times. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I, the life, I barely got through that early part, man. I'm good. Yeah. I, I know. I, there's no nine lives on this dude. Right. And I'm like, jump? Nah, I'm good. Right. I'm way good. She's like, come on. It'll be fun. I'm like, nah, risk versus reward. Uh, I'm old now. <laughs> now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I love that, dude. You just right out of the box, random on a day, no treatment plan, no treatment plan. <laughs> no, but you know, we, you, you got it. We 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 got a documented treatment plan. You know, sure, I've, sure. I've done a lot of things with with uh, private pay, and you don't have to document anything. And yeah. uh, you have a lot more options like that. But we're, we're working with insurance. But there's a there's a uh, you know you got to do it per insurance. But then you you know you also got to get through to the person. So we're right in the, right in the tightrope. You know, so we do change people's diet. We spend uh, an hour and a half every day talking about how to shop, how to eat, and what to get. You know, and then and then what you should be putting in your body. We do a wellness assessment. We find out what triggers them, what they what they reach for when they're when they're feeling you know if they're feeling tired or if they're feeling you know four o'clock they're sleepy whatever. We have a whole series of questions that we go. Well, what do you reach for at these times? And it could be sugar. It could be a starch. Could be anything like that. Just the, the average thing that people usually have a craving for. Right. Anything they have a craving for, so that we kind of see that their GABA's are a certain level, their serotonin's a certain level, and then we go, well, maybe you should take some supplements. And I just learned this in in, in August this year when we first came out here, and then she started teaching me the our our uh, executive director is Joan Collins, and she's been doing it for years, and she's a naturopathic doctor. She is um, a herbal specialist. And she's a, a Hallelujah Acres minister, which is pretty much all they teach you about diet for people that have cancer have gone through there and they've just changed their diet and done a lot better with cancer. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of that. We've done people with uh, traumatic brain injuries and changing their, uh, changing, changing their diet. So there's a lot, there's a lot of that to it. Go on, my bad. I'll fix it. Is that better? Yeah. There we go. 
No, um, what's her name again? Joan Collins. Joan Collins. Yeah, she she's 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 been the whiz as far as the wellness is concerned, and she's taught she's taught me which I something I didn't I thought I was pretty hip to the eating healthy and just you know you go out there you eat right and you work out and I thought boom basically and that's basically was it but she's got also the knowledge where you know she's she was checking me out and she says that you know I got a, a adrenal deficiency and who would have thought if that would, if I would have known that when I was a kid and I would have been able to take these supplements that I'm taking now to curb that which it really helps us it's a serifos it's a really simple supplement Okay. And it's just, you know, instead of taking something like if I would have went to a doctor, they would have gave me pills. But that wasn't the case. I found meth on my own. And it was the what answer. kind of testing was she doing on you to get all this? She's just asking me questions about how I, uh, a wellness assessment from the Alliance of Addiction Solutions. Okay. Okay. So, so basically she, I found out I got an adrenal deficiency and I started taking this and I started feeling like I'm stable again, you know? And if I would have known that when I was a kid, I would have probably never even wanted to get loaded it, once it, I had that first taste of it. Yeah. It's so minor. Sometimes the things that the one little adjustment we can make that can just change everything. And it's uh, like Dr. Mark Gordon does some hormones and he adjusts those hormone levels across and it can make wondrous changes. Right. I mean, those natural changes are great, man. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we were talking earlier about um, detoxing and baselining and a lot of facilities essentially you know will diagnose someone even within the 72 hours um, that have been using for years and lay a major diagnosis on them like bipolar or I've even seen schizoaffective laid on people that have been you know using cocaine for 10 or 15 years who wouldn't right right who wouldn't right so they lay these massive diagnoses on them like you said before baseline but then you brought up a, a even I, I'm calling it a more fine tune of a point is yeah, just because they're even baseline maybe off of the years of drug abuse and possibly even antidepressants, God right. knows what that baseline they're is. They're giving a clean test is all they're doing. Right. And but even the nutrition part that you pointed out is the baseline of real health and not having poisons in you. It's a whole nother baseline. Yeah, that yeah. is yeah, that's a big deal. I really didn't think about that. So I mean, is it really could we really say maybe that the first line of treatment of addiction could really mean nutrition 100% is the first line before anything. You are what you eat. Yeah. It's, it comes down to that. It's the basic old philosophy. Well, you are what you eat. I think that's a big deal, you and I sitting here talking about that, man, because we started, about, you know, we started talking about how there's no one path. We started talking about, right, how, well, addiction is no one path. But maybe we really, you know, when we're looking around of what's effective and what's out there, could we really maybe generalize right now and say, you know what, the first step really is not declaring yourself powerless against drugs and alcohol. That the first step is changing your fucking diet. Right, right. And you get a clear head, you start feeling better about yourself, and then you're gonna you're gonna really be able to give someone a clear diagnosis of who you are because you got a better idea of who you are yourself. Yeah. You know that get people get that clear head and they start. Well, maybe I, you know I've seen kids like, man, I want, I want anything. I need to be. I need to get on see a psych. I need to see this and that. Yeah. And then fit. Uh, Say 14 days later, and they're, I don't know, I'm even thinking about it anymore. I mean, we, just off their diet. That's, uh, I, I, see, I saw a guy like that. In 14 days, he was, he was not even asking about seeing a doctor anymore. He was just asking, when's the next time we're going to go to the gym? When's the next time we're going to go out and go down to the beach? So is that, is that kind of what you're at in? What's the facility look like? What are you doing? I mean, obviously, I'm seeing a gym here. You're by the water. Well, we, we have a gym. They have a, access to a gym. Uh, it's 20 houses in, in downtown Stewart. And it's, they're all just 20 houses, whole city block, 100-bed facility. 
but we only we got uh, 50 people in transitional housing, and right now we got about five people PHP, probably 15 in IOP. Okay, all right. So we're still we're still starting small. We're trying to grow slowly because we do, you don't want to blow up. You no. know, we still want to get that individual care. We really want to do it right. Got to work the kinks out, right? We're working the kinks out, and and uh, we're getting a, a different level of, cli- of clientele that they've had before, but it's getting a little bit more of them. And we're trying to keep a balance of not filling the group too big because that's, you know, you don't really get to anybody if you just kind of go, hey, are you okay today? And that's it. Now on the next question. Okay, no. Next one. Okay, good, good, good. You know, you're just funneling them through, you know. We really get to know these people and spend some time with them and uh, and figure out what makes them tick. And then the best thing about that is we also learn how to deal with that, that one problem because we kind of went that extra step to figure out is it the nutrition? Is it, you know, then once once their, their head's really ticking, when they're feeling really good, then they're working with the therapist and they really can have a clearer picture with their telling the therapist because they got a better idea because their head's ticking right. Well, and you know, that's one of the biggest issues, right? Because a lot of the doctors, psychiatrists, they lean on the, one of the biggest research um, findings out there, right? Is that um, medication and counseling work the best and the best and for a better outcome. Right. And I, and I say, yeah, sure. But the issue is, the medication that works with it, the medication is not to be continued, and the medication should not be the first line of defense just because you try the holistic way, you try the nutrition, you try the talk therapy route, right. and then possibly, if this isn't being effective, you worked all angles, then maybe you bring in that. But if it's really bad, okay, maybe you have to do some synthetic intervention for a detox, right, to calm them down, but then you titrate off of these things. The boxing is not made for fucking life. No. It's not made to take forever. Hell, Ambien is not a lifetime prescription. No. I mean, these things will fuck up your liver. And, I mean, it's not just about the immediate you could die. And, look, I'm a fan of those pills if they stop you from dying. Right. You know, and that's what that's why I love them. If you if used properly, when you can titrate somebody off, okay, it can help and maybe stops them at least from fucking dying. Right. You know, thank God, you know, you could do that. Right. But you could do that with a lot of other ways, too. Yeah. You know, and I think people forget that. And so when they lean on the research that, well, synthetic medication and counseling work better when, yeah, but when you come off the fucking drugs while we're doing counseling at the same fucking time and eventually, right? Then they freak out because they're, they don't have their crutch anymore. <laughs> That's right. Right. They, they, you're, you're making them walk around with no no mask or no shelter and they think they're exposed and they feel vulnerable and then they're going to freak out and run away and then you got to go chase them down again you know then then they're running back to a treat another treatment facility where they can get back on medication that that works for them because they figure this place will give me what i want instead of this other place that really is pushing me away from it that's it so they get freaked out so when, when they get freaked out from you know the, the best thing they, they need to do is not no they don't need the crutch you know it's like dumbo and the uh and the magic feather you know, he thought he can fly because he was holding the feather, right? He didn't need he didn't need the feather. You don't need it. You know, you just got to have that confidence that you can do it. And I know it's scary. I understand. I I I was scared myself one day. I was scared to do it myself. But you just got to take that leap of faith. And then once they kind of figure it out, then they can start working out these other problems. They start sharing the problems that they have with people and figuring out what they really want to do in life. Yeah, when we can use nutrition to start fine-tuning you, getting you right, and really letting your mind and your body work for you rather than against you. And once the body's working right with the mind, then that's where meditation comes in. And that plays a big part because you really figure out what you want because you have a real connection between mind and body and you can move forward. 
Yeah. That's the whole experience. Instead, right now, the number one treatment that we're handing people is 30 days in a place with two groups a day with an 8 a.m. AA group meeting, uh, a little bit of nutrition with some cafeteria food. Uh, after that, a fucking taxi bus ride down the street to the fucking the halfway drug, sober house. The druggy buggy. That's it, the druggy buggy. Right. You take the druggy buggy down to the fucking halfway house, and then they'll pick you up in the morning for the next four to six weeks to bring you to another shit location. We're going to do another shitty two groups a day, maybe. Yeah. Three, maybe. Get your little chiropractic in so you feel good. Acupuncture, yoga, right. all that good stuff. See, now that's what I love. See, that's and that's when you're working something holistically. I'll, see, you guys, I, do you find the outpatient setting to be more beneficial, you think, than the inpatient setting? The outpatient setting is crucial to them going on with their life. You can't have people in treatment all the time. You can't watch them all the time. They're going to have to grow out of it. You know, I mean, you don't want them there all the time. And why would they want to stay in that section their whole life? They, they get stuck in that circle and they get end up staying in treatment centers all the time. But I don't want that for them, and they shouldn't either. They should yeah. want to grow. So you, you I, I give them, we give them the, the outpatient program, so they kind of venture out on their own. They got the freedom. They can go out and make mistakes because they do. And then you know, we come back and address the mistakes that they made. But they need that step out, and it's scary. Usually, usually they're excited to get out and get the freedom, and then they get back in trouble. But when, when they, you know, then they just try it again. But when, when, when they're in that outpatient, you got to have some kind of uh, sense of self-responsibility. You know, how are they going to get that without doing that themselves? They have to have that outpatient. So they check in with us every now and then, and then they go out and they're doing things on their own without us holding their hand, which is really what I really want them to do. You know, I really want them to go out there and get a job, do something in the world, you know, start to get, get connections with family again. And start to build relationships and build trust and start doing the right things that they're supposed to do. And then the other thing I tell them to do is find someone that needs help that you can help. Yeah. Because then you're just paying it forward. And that and you, when you're looking at somebody else's problems as a third person, then they can they they're it's indirect. And when the other person's they're dealing with their problems, they can help them with their problem. But they get an, they get another perspective on it now. Yeah. So then they when they have the same similar problem, they go maybe that's how I'm acting, and then that helps them perpetuate their growth. Yeah, because there's no magic in the 30 days. That's a whole insurance gig. Oh, yeah. Insurance you know? runs that whole program, and you just got to play ball with it. That's it. If, That's and it. if you don't, boy, they will find the fucking shit out of you. Yeah. And, you know, people really believe there's this magic 30 days shit. You know, and I'm like, look, there's no magic 30 days. And, you know, that the outpatient setting, I would say that it almost sounds more beneficial because, look, the inpatient is where they're making all their money. That's where these millionaire people are basically robbing Medicare. Right. You know, at you know, Medicare is a good system. It's just easily manipulated. Yeah. And so it's those facilities that are banking at $1,500 a day because of the nursing and all this fucking, you know, um, work. But really, a detox is three, four days, you mm -hmm. know. And technically, couldn't you switch... The cost, and because outpatient, they're only paying anywhere from five to eight hundred dollars a day, you know, yeah. for per patient per day on outpatient. But like you would even say, and I think we both agree here, and we'll I'll talk to Doctor Parker Mott later today, and I'll, I'll get a, another psychologist uh, angle on it. Yeah, and that you know, being in the outpatient environment or even treating within their own environment is actually more beneficial. So 
should we switch the cost? If we could put $1,500 a day to pay for an, an, an intensive outpatient facility and extend that to be an 8-week, 12-week, 14-week program of assimilation and even work in some occupational therapy and then limit now three, four, six days max to an inpatient detox to where you're only here to detox and then you're done. And then because we're only getting 500 bucks a day for you because we're just detoxing this facility, making sure you don't die once we boom. And they send them out with a bunch of pills as well. Right. Well, they would. Right. right? But if we can have more outpatients, you know, set up like like um, you guys are doing. But I wonder if we could get that fucking policy switched. Right. It seems right. like the 30 days in an inpatient seems kind of overkill. Yeah. It's, you know, everybody's different. Some people coming in, they try to just detox themselves. But with... Um, with the, the 28 days, it's, it's some, you've got a captive audience, really, because, you know, some of them, they're not going to show up to this and that. They're, they're still Dude, ready to bounce. You, you got know? you got some phrases, bro. Yeah, it's, they're, it's, that's the truth, though. They're, ca- they're stuck there. They're, if, if ca- they're, they have a captive audience. Exactly. Dude, you're good. I've been captive before. I know what it's like. You are good, man. That's good because it's true because they sit. Because, ah, man, wow, that is, that's good. I've run way too many groups. Yeah. And you can sit in that group, and one day, if somebody is just not feeling it, or they need some attention, or they want to leave, or fuck, I don't know, they're just not baseline, so, you know, they don't even trust their own thoughts. No, and they're, they're, they're not baseline anyways if they're on the medication they came in from detox. They're still messed up. How can they, how can they think straight? Sober is not on Zaboxin. No, or anything like that. Seroquel, uh, anything, uh, antidepressant, whatever they throw them on. They're, they're not, they're still not sober and they're still not, they don't have a clear head yet. You can't really get to know somebody if they're loaded on pills. You know, the, you know, I'm sure you've seen people in group nodding out from, uh, uh-huh. uh, Suboxone. Dude, it used just, to get bad. Drooling all over themselves and here you're getting through to them, you know? <laughs> Dude, it's true. Yeah. I, I used to sit and try to do groups, man. And they would nod and drool, man. And eventually they'd stand up and they kind of, all right, I'm going to stand up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like. Well, I didn't sleep good last night. I didn't sleep good. I'm like, oh yeah, you did, because they gave you drugs to do that too. Right. And, and how do they, and how do they say that? Oh yeah, you're justifying paying me treatment for this guy that's pretty much sleeping in the group. Yep. And, and the facility's getting paid just for them to be zombied out. That's why I couldn't do it, brother. Yeah. That's why my but I used a um, tombstone line in Doc Holiday. When I just finally in my head, I went, my hypocrisy only goes so far. Right. Yeah. And that's when I'm like, I'm fucking out, man. I yeah. can't do this shit. My wife would tell you when I worked those that two years in that first facility that I, I won't mention. Right. Dude, I, I hit a heavy depression. I mean, I was bad, dude. Uh, my, it's like my spirit died a little bit. And it's very easy to get jaded in a facility like that toward the people that are being affected. You know what I mean? And it's really hard not to. And it was even hard not to be jaded to those I worked with because those people I worked with, some had been in it 40 years and some early. But for the most part, some really gave a shit. And some were just like, here's your your piece of paper. Pass it around. We'll all read this together in unison like some weirdo. And then this would be group. And I'm like, God, you know. Would that that depression come from the fact that you were doing something that wasn't working? And, uh, and you you probably had your own idea of something you could have done that was working, and that kind of think, well, I could be doing this a certain way and maybe getting better results. I did do that, right? And that's I, exactly where you're at now, right? When, when I started doing it, I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it the fucking way. I'm I put up I way. put up the whiteboard and I went, let's go to class, and I started teaching. Right? I was going, all right, this is psychology. Okay, this is everything I learned, rather than trying to be some. 
All right, let's talk about feelings and go through your thoughts and be this arrogant fuck that has some cool things I learned right. and only kind of whittle when I want to. Right. You know, so I, I stood up and I was like, all right, let me teach you the shit I learned with all this piece of paper, all right? Right. Fuck your steps. Just listen, this is your feelings. Your feelings don't fucking count. Right. All right? You, you have thoughts. These thoughts make your feelings. Do you get that? You know, I became teacher. You know, that's, yeah. and you're right. I just said, fuck it. Now you're doing it your way, and now you got that. I saw when you walked, when I first walked in the room, you're lit up, man. You got you that glow about you. You love doing what you do, yeah. and you're doing it the way you want to do it. And that's Thank why. Thank you. Thank because you, why it's working. I, I was at a private client's house last night for, I don't know, a three-hour session. You know, I mean, it was a long time. Yeah. And then um, the brother of her, we took a walk and um, just chatting. Man, he's a really cool fuck. And he said something cool to me, man, which I, I thought was nice. And because this dude is fucking successful. You know what I mean? He's got his shit together. You know what I mean? He's doing it. Yeah. And so, you know, him saying it meant a little something. And he kind of goes, you know what, man? It's like, you're a shot of fucking adrenaline. Mm-hmm. You're just like this shot, man. And it's like, I'm, he goes, I think I'm going to hire you to be like my uh, life coach or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. he was just joking around. And I was like, and honestly, I went, oh, my poor wife. I swear to God, my reaction in my head, because my wife is introverted mm-hmm. and kind of chill. And yeah. so I swear to God, we're walking. And I was like, my poor wife. She deals with my ass. All the time. Like this. Yeah. She's got me like, babe, yeah. what if we could? And, and then we could be in space and take over everything. And what, yeah. right? This is yeah. me. I talked to her. And the, I told her, told her, we can steal the moon. And we'll talk, convince everybody that we did it. You know, That's right, man. <laughs> And, you know, I was kind of driving home last night. I was like, you know, some people would have been like, that was rude. He called me a shot of adrenaline. You know what I mean? Like, what, I'm too much? No. And I was kind of like, you know what? I am fucking too much. (laughs) Because (laughs) it takes that, I think, man. You got to give off that vibe. You know what I mean? They're picking up your vibrations. It's a wavelength. Uh, So when you're throwing off that wavelength to somebody, you got that good vibe. You really have to impact them like a a blast after a wave. Yeah. Just like that. So you hit them hard. So you got to be a little, uh, have some depth to it. You know, you really got to lay into them with that good vibe. So you go in a room with somebody that's have a really bad vibe. You really got to get the thing going. You know I mean? You have to pick it up, pick it up, and you have to throw it at them. You know, never physically touching them, but you just kind of give them an uplifting vibe. You just keep that vibe alive, and then you just, and then they start going with it. And Bam. they would rather feel like you do anyways. Yeah. And all I ever want to do for people is give them what I already got. And it doesn't cost them anything. Really. Technically, they, they, it doesn't cost them a thing. You know I mean? The insurance companies go through this whole madhouse about it. Just have what I got. I got this good vibe. Pick it up. Pick it up. Let's dribble with it. And they just dribble back and forth, back and forth. And they can dribble, and we'll go get, catch the beat, and we'll just start shaking our head the same way. Shaking our head. Dude, have you beat. not found your passion or what? Yeah, that's what I like doing it, man. And it, it just ticks for me. It just ticks. Fuck yeah. yeah. Hey, it's nice to meet me. <laughs> it's like i'm meeting me dude right yeah i love this shit yeah man. i can and i can feel it from you too you know and i'm glad i'm, I'm bouncing it right back with you you know yeah so I, you know and that's that's what i try to convey when i'm in a room with somebody that doesn't feel like that mm. so i just sit in there and i just go come on let's go i'll stand up and let's walk around a little bit yeah you know, why are we sitting and down let's stand up get up and you, then, yeah go ahead know, dude, i'm they, listening they, they i'm keep, learning they keep going they keep going and then i and then they start then they start talking more they weren't going to say anything oh i'm good they got their head down so do you like that shock and awe approach is that how you come yeah. at them I, li- I you know I come like at them hey. yeah i like taking them out and doing things with them you know with like them. skydiving yeah that's something. fucking killer dude Fishing, I still... you know anything like that it's something where we're out doing something you get a little bit of excitement nature bro yeah they're in nature they're in the sun you know they're in the weather and they're not they're doing something they t- typically wouldn't do and probably haven't done in a long time or never done ever you know they just never they don't know anything you know so 
you gotta show hey try this this is what i do this is what this is what makes me and I, I want you to have what i got so i'm just giving you everything that i do and you can pick and choose the things that you like wow you know if you don't like the way this sh- this like kale shake tastes we'll try it with spinach we'll try it with something else you know, in my way is not your way and i'm not telling you it has to be you don't have to do exactly what I say, but this is what works for me. Maybe we can find something similar that works for you. Maybe that's part of the issue with 12 steps is that the 12 steps basically tells you do it this way. That's it. And you know what? Shit, since I was nine, good luck telling me do it this way. That's exactly the reason why I wouldn't do it. And then right, and then take somebody that's being affected by addiction and how, let's say, uh, uh, colorful right. we could be at the time. And Yeah, and they're not on their baseline, so they're still a little yeah. all over the place. And then tell them you have to do it like this. Yeah, I'm gonna say <laughs> fuck you. That's I'm right. Not doing, I'm not doing what you tell me. Yeah, and that's what I would do, and that's what they do, and, and I understand. Yeah, and you know it, it's funny. This show, I swear to God, beats up twelve steps at least like twice a week. Yeah, and I feel bad because it, it actually works. It too. does work for people, but I don't want people to sit there and go to meetings all their life. Yeah, you know, it's I, I get it. It helps them through it, but they're. They're changing what they were doing before just for the 12 steps. Yeah, my main, yeah, you know, really my main point is that, yes, the 12 steps works, but if it's 1 to 2% of the people, I'll even give you 5 to 10% when that's not even really it. Right. But uh, you know what? Fuck it. I'll give you 20. And we know that's not even remotely close to what AA does or NA does. But even if you did 20, what do we do with the other 80%? Do we just ignore them and say it's their fault they didn't do it right? Well, I think the you know what I mean. Yeah, that's the problem. That, that's that's the where problem. I really mean. That's the problem where we're at now. But if you kind of look at like a little bit outside the box, even further than that, prevention before people get to that point, right? Mm. So the people in my generation, we got the dare, and we got kind of brainwashed into thinking that once we try it once, we're done. And now, I think education. You know, my generation and our generation too, they got really fucked up with psychedelics. Yeah. Like they got in their mind, they're the real no nos. Our generation is kind of okay with the weed. Mm-hmm. But if you start to talk to our generation about like mushrooms or LSD or something, dude, they'll get real like, whoa, no, 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 no. Yeah. You know, even Coke was a little more lenient in our generation than it yeah. really was psychedelics. Yeah. And it's and it's it's sad that, that, uh, that o- only, only what's trendy is, is what's safe. You know, you, if everybody else is doing it, that makes it safe. So that's what they're going to think. You know, alcohol. It's, it's, it's not like they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, you shouldn't. Yeah, alcohol is a good example. Alcohol is one of the worst things you can do it's trendy though yeah it's everywhere everybody drinks but you you know the people that drink constantly those are the ones that are going to die if they stop drinking mm-hmm. you know so it's that's a real threat that's the biggest threat they have out there besides benzos that someone can die if they stop doing it you mm-hmm. know so that's a scary thought that you can't stop drinking but everything else you know man yeah. there's, there's so many different ways to help people today and that's kind of you know what i like the most is you know, there should be more ways. Glenn Marshall says it a lot from the Addictive Podcast. Um, he was my last guest. Is you know, more more paths. Yes to this. It didn't really have to even be a model. You know, call it CBT. Call it the Cognitive Rampage Approach. Call it Twelve Steps. Neuro linguistic programming is another one. It should yeah. just be debunked. Which one? Neuro linguistic programming. NLP. Okay. That's that, another similar. Any of these, but make them all. Make it something like you said. Individualize it. But there should be more. There should be more paths and more choices. You know, fuck, the way I'm thinking of now, detox should be fucking seven days. At most, I think you should go inpatient detox seven days. Right. And I think they should come at you with all nutritional, supplemental, what, it should be cheaper, right? The synthetic fucking drugs? They should be doing that in detox. Right. So then when they come out of detox, they're at a real baseline. Right. And at least they've got some 
got some good good nutrition in their system and they start to feel right just from that as well as taking the sugar out and then they're they, I would say they're truly detox then yeah then you still throw them in a mood yeah why why wouldn't we do that as opposed to fucking I don't know here's 16 medications for something yeah you know in my mind there's nothing logical about going natural things that exist on the planet to help heal a natural person that's in pain from doing synthetic things wait a minute nope Let's give them more synthetic things <laughs> to overdo the poison to that natural thing that exists and forget the organic things that can really happen. And this is what we call the best treatment that the United States of America and all its wonder and glory could come up with yeah. is that idea. And if you talk against any other idea, well, then you're fucking blacklisted and you're blackballed. Yeah. Or fucking an AA cult member will put a hit out on you, which happened to me multiple times. Yeah. I mean, when I worked at those inpatients, when I would be anti those things, I swear to God, I would get notes on my desk. And I would get told that, hey, the AA whatever put a hit out on you. You think uh, you're selling blade babies on a black market? No. Dude, it's nuts. And yeah. I would be like, what? Death threats from NA? Right. Wow. And I'm kind of like, this is, whoa. Right? I mean, but this is the healing that we offer when there could be so many paths, man. And it's so individualized because, look, the first thing I talk about when I start dealing with somebody generally with the addiction is they'll talk for a minute. And I stop and I go, look, I, I don't need the details. All right. The devil's in the details. Let me just pause right there. All right. What happened? What was the trauma? What happened to you? What pushed the edge? What was it? Right. You know, for you, I would just tell you it's when you lost football. Right. I already know. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, see? Yeah. Yeah, I, met, I met you for fucking 45 minutes. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That was it. And you would think a psychiatrist would ask that. Right. <laughs> a psychiatrist I, goes, fill this fucking paper out. I still haven't been asked that question. You're the first one to say it. No shit. Yeah, no one's ever asked me that. See, to me, that's the most logical thing. No. I'm going to deal with somebody. Oh, how long? You've been on drugs 15 years. And then your thing that I don't know. Look, I don't need all the bullshit. Take me all the way back. When did life kick you in the fucking teeth? Yeah. When did, or when did you wake up and go, that shit ain't fair? Right. One of those things happen. Yeah. You know, and then when you can find that, stop treating the drugs, dude. The drugs are the fucking symptom. Yeah. You know what I mean? The drugs aren't even the problem. I don't even want to vilify methamphetamine. I don't want to vilify fucking heroin. I won't vilify them. And even the drugs themselves, I won't even vilify them. Because some, you know, one of my buddies, the same guy, you know, I was talking to a couple of days ago. Without one synthetic drug, he'd be a dead man. You yeah. know, he'd literally be dead. Because of you know certain things wrong with them, yeah. So yeah, synthetic drugs are great, but one the way they're being used, the way they're being misused, mm -hmm. this is fucking insane. Yeah, like, like the fucking we're killing we're killing people, innocent people, people that don't know any better. The first thing the doctor is going to tell them, hey, go ahead, go ahead, try this out instead. You know, don't even don't even try don't even try changing your diet. Don't even try uh, just ch changing what you do. Getting a hobby. Some people just get a hobby. You know. Find something to do, you know, find something to be happy about. Get a dog. Well, I think that Tough Mudder thing was interesting in your life, right? Tough Mudder was great. Well, I and mean, I just focused on that. And right right now, right now I'm focusing on the Treasure Coast Marathon I'm doing in March. So you, so it stayed, it trended. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep doing Who it. Who gave you that ticket? My younger brother, Brandon. Brandon? Yeah. Brandon Kimmer, congratulations for being the one that really seeded a big change in your brother's life. Yeah. yeah. Um, seriously, from one healer out here trying to help people do the damn thing yeah. uh, to another, you know as well as I do, is that moment that he handed you that ticket. Yeah. What he did, he goes, here's one more chance to play football. Yeah, yeah you, exactly. That you didn't did. get yeah. to do. Yeah. And that's what he handed you. Yeah. That ticket was to play ball one more time. Yeah. And, and, you, I, and I went with it. And then, and then uh, six months later after that, me and him did the Long Beach Marathon together. And uh, we conquered that goal. 
And then now I'm going to do another one of the Treasure Coast. You know, I'm just going to keep doing. If I don't, if I don't, if I'm not moving forward, I'm moving backwards. You know what I mean? That's always been the story because I've gotten my shit together and then fucked it up, and got my shit together and then fucked it up. So I, if I know, I know if I if I get stagnant or if I'm not moving forward, then I'm going to be moving backwards. Well, how many so, times you've been in the second quarter and got fucked up, yeah. and then halftime came? Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. So you're doing the same shit right now. Yeah, I can. I'm just not going to look back, you know. And I'm just going to, you know, if, I, if I'm not doing something to grow, you know, like what we're doing here, this thing's going to grow and it's going to take off. And we're coming up with new ideas and new approaches. And we're working with all these interesting people. Tai Chi is another big thing that we do there. If you, I don't know if you know anybody that does it. Huh? No. No. It's, it, they, they love it. They wow. do meditation. They do breathing exercises. Sure. Where they, where they clear their lungs out and they just kind of. And, wow. and they, they, they come out of it like, wow, I just I don't feel like I got any stress. They come out with no stress. I, I just t- totally feel lightheaded. They're at peace, and they and they come out, and then they go home and, and, and relax for a little while, and they come back, and then, then they're able to really participate in the group yeah. because they, they're a little more centered. And they go, well, then they're participating in the group just because they did a breathing exercise, and they're moving the body in, in a certain like, with a certain balance. They kind of feel they feel centered, and they're able to share their problems that they have because now they got a clearer picture of what's going on. You know, they, they don't, their head's in a fog. Their head's in a fog. Dude, when I watch you, you know, talk about what you do and how you do it without any technical training. Yeah. And I see the fire jump out of you in the same way. And I'm like, you, you get behind it. And I think, man, a lot of people that I've met that have been, have been affected by addiction, you know, they really would say that I want to help people. That's a lot of them to say I really want to help people. And somebody would argue they would say that's because it's easier than helping themselves. Right. And I'll say no because it goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people like yourself that don't understand the initiative of mentorship and take – I mean that's a special thing you did, right? To reach out to Warren and just say, you know, and connect that way. I mean that was awesome. And people don't know to do that. And so they think, well, I got to go to school. I got to do four years, five years, six mm-hmm. years, and then I can help people, you know? Yeah. And they don't understand that you can do a six month thing, do some mentorships, get into some different paths. And look, I would tell you, if I could choose between a, I don't know, a room full of 60 people of being affected by a lifetime addiction or a room of 60 people, the presidential advisors, I'm going to take the 60 room of fucking people being affected by addiction. Yeah, they got some good stories. Well, I'm going to get it done. <laughs> right. Whatever it is, I promise you I'm going to get it done cheaper, yeah. faster, and I'm probably going to feel good doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know and what I mean? It's, it's interesting we're working with these people because I learn a lot from them every time. There's about one in ten person that I have coming through the door there, and they've they've shown me some, another approach that I never thought of. Wow. Because they're, they're a lot of them, they're smart people, you know? Fuck yeah. They're intelligent. They're, they're not... I mean, they're fucked up, but they're not fuck-ups. They're being affected by addiction. They are not addicts. Right. And so they're caught up in it. However, they are caught up in it. And, you know, they comes all shapes and sizes. Everybody comes through that door that I've seen. So, you know, some of these people are really interesting people, and they have a really interesting point of about, uh, about, you know, just life in general. And I I get a lot from them. And then, you know, so I'm I'm constantly learning from these people. That's the best way I can learn from somebody. Wow. And you you know what's fucked up? The one thing they teach you getting a fucking degree, they call that a bad thing. They call that counter-transference. Yeah. And so if I'm in a session with someone and I technically would say I learn from them, mm-hmm. I would be inadvertently saying that I'm applying my life in the middle of therapy, which means I'm involved, which would be counter-transference. And from a psychological standpoint, according to psychology and the APA, I would be doing counter-transference. Mm-hmm. And 
okay, this is one why I don't practice within that fucking realm. This is why I left it. That's why I said, fuck your license. I don't do that shit because you're going to make me practice this way. I just can't call it therapy. Okay. I can't call it fucking counseling. Okay. But I'm trained in the same way. I just get to try many paths that are holistic right, and avoid it. And so when you have to practice within those, you know, those real conservative realms of counter-transference and label things to be this negative idea, then if you talk to most people out there, what you hear is, I learn from people every day. So how could we get involved in someone's life to help them and not learn from that somehow, right? How do people get tenure? How do people get, you know, how do people say they're veterans in whatever field they're, they're learning because they're always doing something. They're always interacting. They're in the business and they're doing what what it takes. You have to do intern hours to get a, a, a to to be licensed. You have to have intern hours. What's that? You're learning from the people. That's right. You know, so you're, wow, that's, yeah. They're already saying that. You know, they're saying you have so, to have intern hours if you're going to be a therapist, right? They're already telling you that, but you're not learning anything when you're having internship. Internship. Right? That's right. You're learning from the clients you're working with. So there, There's there a, is a counter transference between mentor and mentee. And that's required. And it's required. Dude, I don't get it. You're a gangster, bro. That's fucking true. Yeah, yeah, it's just the way I see it. You know, like it wow. just makes sense. That's true because that's allowed, right? Because look, we all agree that this that counseling, in a sense, is scientific to a point in an art form. It's a scientific art form, is how I like to describe it. Right. Right. Because there's no technical scientific method yet, although maybe we know you start with nutrition. Mm-hmm. Other than that. You know, that's as far as it's a scientific and some other biological research. But for the most part, it's an art form. And so it's true that if a biasy can be passed down through an art form easily, then if who I'm being supervised with, whoever I'm being mentored by, they are going to pass down their bias for treatment addiction, for the process, the system, the history, you know, you know, whatever their biases are from their experience, that's true. It gets passed down in a counter and a transference. Fuck, that's not a counter transfer. That's a direct transference. And consider, I'm considering all the people that I have worked with that I've worked, you know, I've worked with this guy, I work with this guy, I've worked with this client, I've worked with all kinds on both sides of the fence. All right. So I, I, I can choose what I gain, uh, gather because a lot of things that people did, I didn't agree with. And I thought that's not right, but this is right. And, and that's just my own opinion. You know, I formed my own opinion from what I experience I got from this client or from this therapist that I worked with or someone that taught me whatever they're going to teach me. I learned something from, I learned something on both ends of it, but I choose what I believe. I don't, I'm not going to blindly follow what I'm supposed to. I go, well, in my opinion, I think this works. So what I've seen, I've tried it myself. And usually if I hear something from somebody, I try it on myself first. I think, well, let me, let me, approach, let me see. You get the experience. Right, right. I, I kind of just ask myself those questions and I think, well, maybe if I change my, my view on it, then if it affects me, then I could, I can easily explain how it's going to affect somebody else if I try to give them that technique. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, ha- I have to have gone through it myself to be able to tell people about it. Yeah, I agree. Because I I say the only way that you can get competent in anything is, you know, you got to have the experience in it. You got to create an experience. Through that experience, you can gain competence. And uh, uh, Carl Jung said the only the wounded uh, physician can heal. You ever heard? I'm sure you haven't heard that. That's a good one. Carl Jung. He's really good. I mean, I I know Jung, but yeah. Yeah. So only the wounded physician can heal. And, you know, for fixing the head. You know how you, you're not going to find find them in there. You know there, there's some like t- t- uh, hiding out in the back of their head somewhere. You, unless you can go in there and find them, 
because you haven't been there yourself, you're getting a lot. People get lost in there. Somebody that's never been through it. Yeah. They're they're trying to get in someone's head, and they're like, it's a maze, and they don't know how they don't know how to how to find that person. How are you going to reach them when they're way back in the and they got tucked back in their head? Yeah. What's a 15 year heroin addict going to do, and and really try to grasp? And how are they really going to? They could learn if they really wanted to, but how could they really pay a focus of attention? To someone, let's say, 21, never affected by addiction, right out of college. Right. And let's be honest, the clinical rehab area, this is where they all start. Because mm-hmm. you come out with a master's, right? But the master's doesn't let you do anything, essentially. Mm-hmm. You got to get licensed for two years. So mm-hmm. you have to work for a clinic. Mm-hmm. So you go right into these government-funded clinics mm-hmm. at whatever, just fresh out of school, mm-hmm. working in detox, never having a class on the 12 steps either. Right. A lot, And a lot of them not really have seen addiction except maybe a friend or a cousin had been involved maybe. Yeah. But never really this intense. And one, they, again, they haven't even taught the steps. Right. And so they have to work there. And these millionaire facilities they that are created getting baller money, like I talked about earlier, yeah. they love it because they can hire someone for, I don't know, $18 an hour, mm-hmm. which is a that has a master's degree level at $18 an hour to do work that somebody should be getting paid at least 40 50 you know, a year to do and have some good experience. Yeah. But they can fill them up in. They even use interns. And mm-hmm. so they got to get their internship hours. Mm, free labor. Before, right. Yeah. Before they even graduate. Yeah. So they use the interns as free labor mm-hmm. around the hospital to, to sit in on groups and do paperwork and noting and charts. So they get an education. Then they hire them right mm-hmm. out, which is good. They give them a job. But they pay them shit because they go, look, we'll help you get licensed too, which means we ain't got to pay you shit. Mm-hmm. And then for two years, hopefully you'll get licensed if you can survive. Right. I've watched young men and women that haven't. You know, the biggest adversity is somebody dented dented their car, you know, in a parking lot. And they're coming in all ready to go and change the world. And they sat down in a group. I've been like, you know what? You run group today. And they're like, okay. And they get their little papers together and they stack it up, make copies, right? And I'm sitting back watching them get ready. You know, the intern's all excited, kind of nervous. They got their own group ready and Xeroxing, you know. 15, 16 copies, reviewing it, right? Yeah. They'll come in and sit down. I'm like, oh, man, this will be good. You know, and I know a couple of the people in the group, you know, I'm talking five, six-year easy prison sentences in two, three terms. You know, they've been riding the, they've been riding the rails for a minute. Yeah. You We're know, run this one through. Yeah, and I yeah. said, you know what? Look, you go ahead and start group. I'm going to grab a cup of coffee. I'll be in in a minute. <laughs> Yeah, they're hanging off the ceiling when you walk in the door, right? I walk in the door, and she has no paper in their hand. One guy's holding the paper, and he's standing up reading it, telling, trying to mess with her like he's doing group, and yeah. he's talking to her like she's an addict. I'm like, oh, boy. And she has this look like, save me. Yeah. Save me, please. Yeah. I mean, but this is what happens. And so the shitty part is, is this is the treatment for people. You know, your initial line of detox, you're one showing up, not knowing anything, you think this is the right thing to do. Family's now intervened. Uh-huh. You're scared to death. They drop you off at a door, say, see ya. It's because we love you. Get better. <laughs> right. It's because yeah. we love you. Right. <laughs> we just came together to bring you here. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, a high school graduate, if you're lucky, shakes your hand, walks you in a private room, talks to you for a little while, answers a couple questions. While they're verifying you got insurance, really. Yeah. And after they're checking you got money and you got days, they kind of go, well, they know they can't admit you unless you have a diagnosis. And so if they ask you, do you have a diagnosis? You're like, I don't know. Not really. Well, are you feeling sad? Well, okay. They need a diagnosis to admit them. Right. 
So this person has never been diagnosed, did what they're supposed to do, didn't have a lot of money, so they had Medicare, so I had to come to a detox. Right. Now this high school diploma, if you're lucky, right, maybe a two-year degree, person looks up with no training and goes, okay, you're feeling a little sad, and just goes, depression, and what are you taking? All right, drugs, and writes depression and drugs, and now you're diagnosed, here you are admitted, and you're taken back. I mean, this is this is what happens to somebody. This is your first initial greet yeah. with addiction. Not one person said, hey, what happened? Right. <laughs> You've just been processed. They put the wristband on you, mm-hmm. put you in the back room. I mean, now you're poked and prodded for a little bit, you yeah. know. Regulated by insurance. That's it. Processed. Yeah. And that's, then, and that's how it has to be because if, or else they're not going to pay you. So if you're, not playing, if you're not playing ball with them, they're not going to pay you. That's it. So, you know, we just got to play ball with it. I mean, insurance is determining the level of intervention and care. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, insurance is determining people's lives. I mean, it, that, could you say it's killing people? I mean, yeah, it saves them. And I, like I say on all the shows when I start talking about this stuff is thank God that these detoxes exist. You know, thank God there's something, you know, but with what we know, mm-hmm. I mean, what we're offering technically, could I say, is actually making it worse. Yeah. You know, but the, the one the one thing we can do to, to, to prevent any of this from happening is preventing people believing that they're like that in the first place. You know, I mean, right now it's it's gotten to a point where things have gotten bad and they're going to continue to get bad. And they've there. You can't you have to go back 10 years, 15, 20 years to undo what's happened. So nothing, nothing we can do about it now. But when the next generation comes through, we should not tell them that if they try something, they're fucked for life. You know what I mean? And not throw them in jail if they get caught with something. Not none of that. You, you just got you got to fix that. So I mean, things are fucked up now, and that's the that's the that's the hole we dug. Now we're there. But the best thing we can do is prevent the kids that are younger believing what they believe that they have anxiety and they have depression and they need these medications. If we can stop them from believing it now, then at least they'll be better off, and and maybe we can we can find another way to treat them. You know, and yeah. just, and just just keep getting creative. You know, changing the diet and, ch- and trying supplements first, and and getting a true baseline. And I think that's what's gonna that's what's gonna you know if more people are aware of it, more people are willing to try it. And some people they've gone through the system so many times. The parents are saying none of this is working, so we got to find something else. Either I cut them off from the insurance and let them go on the street and see what happens. Yeah. Or we try a different type of approach. The preventative word that you said is I think real important. You can just let her out. Yeah, sorry. That's my dog. You got. You'll hear her barking. That's Roxy. My wife just got home. But the preventative word is serious. Um, th- I think it plays a major role in what anything does. And you've mentioned that once before. And I think I skipped over it. We kept. We went off. Yeah. Imagine that. <laughs> you know, the preventative I think is important because if you could have pre counseling, because well, I talk a lot. Damn. I think I talk too much about this shit on the podcast. Maybe. Let me know if you listen to this podcast a lot and you think it talks too much about addiction. Let me know. Give me an email or some shit. But, you know, um, no, I lost my train of thought. Prevention. Yeah, prevention. And so people will go have a hip surgery, shoulder surgery, something basic, right? Something that's just typical, you know, or even an accident or something, right? Shit, they tried to give my daughter Vicodin for a a sprained ankle. Yeah. You know, so you're right. And you show up. My wife's an ARMP. That shit wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? She was like, what? So it happens typically, you know, normal that happens. And then they hand you, hey, here's a, a, a bottle of the most highly addictive shit on the planet, you know, as we know, that's really taking over families and ruining people's lives. Uh, we don't tell you any of that. Uh, but here's 100 
Here's 90 of them. Yeah. And Keep a close eye on them, will you? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. You know, and have fun yeah. with no pre-counseling. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we could bring in pre-counseling, if say, you know, look, you have to attend counseling for one to keep getting your prescription. Mm-hmm. You know, so what we're going to do is work hand in hand with physicians and counseling. Right. And preventatively and say, listen, before I can give you the most highly diff- addictive epidemic on the planet right now, you got to go talk to these people. Mm-hmm. When you talk to these people, they're going to kind of educate you on what's going to happen. Do all this pre-surgery. Right. And and wh- why would you just jump to give something, some, someone stuff like that without knowing their history? Yeah. You know, if they, if they have uh, addiction in their history or they have something that just made them snap, like if they had a surgery because of a tra- traumatic experience and then they're going to have anxiety due to that traumatic experience. And if you give them a, a, a benzo to calm them down due to the anxiety they have, yeah. then you should we should know that before we start giving them the surgery or dude or, uh the, the guy i was talking to last night he tells me he goes i swear to god uh he said uh he was helping out a friend to uh, at the hospital right and so he's coming with him and now his friend is suffering from addiction hardcore and this is a moment where pain pills could pop in he basically walks the doc, doc to the side and goes listen she's recovering you know she's been six months clean don't give her anything and well uh, we'll see you know that kind of thing he's like dude no don't right. right this doctor he tells me has his assistant call in the prescription so she doesn't even get written and does it fucking anyway he was like dude i would sue the fuck out of this dude if i wasn't so fucking busy you know this dude's running major shit he's too busy he's like man i just want to hire a lawyer just to make i mean i may not win just to make his life fucking hell yeah. i could not believe he did that you know and that's true yeah. That's just what they do, and the, like you said, the history—they don't know the history. Mm-hmm. And they, they need to—they need to understand that. And even if they did know, they need to care when they do. You know, I—I I can't say that all of them do. You know, that some doctors they're just like, well, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, yeah. this, this is what it, this is the standard. They don't even look at them. You know, they—they they, they don't care. They just okay, this is what we're supposed to do. So they just give them that, and then beyond the next one. You know, that's just the standard procedure. Yeah. So they yeah they really need to take a look at the people before they start giving them whatever. In, in in anything, you know, change yeah. the see what do you, what do you are you eating nothing but ice cream all day, you know is that probably why you feel like shit all day and yeah. you know and any drive or you just want to sit home and you, you can't go outside and you can't go to work do you just eat ice cream all day long and cookies is that why you feel like that maybe that might be the reason yeah instead of saying well here here's a here's an antidepressant you'll feel better now I guarantee it you know and they'll they'll come back going yeah doc I feel great. You know, and until it's, until the, the doses doesn't wear out, doesn't last that long, then they're like, okay, I gotta get more. You know, I'm not feeling as good. Can you give me something else? Or yeah. give me a little bit more, and then then off the races. Dude, it's true. I I've seen. I've literally. Uh, you can't really see a cognitive dissonance, but I've seen a cognitive dissonance on face. I've seen it to where you've talked to people, and literally, it, it's so bad in the in the obese department. Yeah. And will sit for an hour discussing with me about chronic pain, lower back injuries, all these things and how they need all these pills. Right. And then I'll listen. And then after all of the pain and all the trials and things, and I'm kind of looking, I go, now, let me tell you something. Don't get too sensitive. You know you're overweight. Do you know that diet, not even diet, just eating right. I don't even need you to exercise. Just eat this. No, mm-hmm. You don't do anything but eat this. Right. Just eat like this. And then you'll explain it. And they'll kind of look at you with this, what? 
this glass over cognitive yeah. dissonance. I've seen it. I've actually witnessed one. And you're watching it going, and you've talked 30 minutes maybe about nutrition and and the effects. And then they'll, then you'll be done. They'll go. So do you think the doc will see me? Some? Yeah. And you go, wow. What the fuck is happening? But it's, it's it's the same look people have when they're looking for their car keys and it's right there in front of them on the table. Or, yeah. You know, they're looking for the glasses and they're wearing them. You know, yeah. it's the answer is right in front of them. They just, they don't see it. They no. just have to kind of, you know, really take a step back and look at it. And it's really hard for people to do that. You know, I've seen that. A lot of people have a hard time going, taking a step back and uh, taking another approach. You know, yeah, but they, they, they just, it's too close to their 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 face and they it's too it's blurry too, it's too much their fault yeah yeah they don't want to think that no I, I, and so i've gotten close and tried to break it down and i've been like okay so you know that eating things you're supposed to eat fuel with the right fuel right and right. moving right. doing what us humans do move yeah helps you and they're like but i'm in pain right and they scoot out on a little scooter <laughs> I'm like, you're in pain. I'm like, you're 24. Yeah, yeah. With no major injuries or accidents. No, you're just carrying around too much weight. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, what? And your body doesn't know how to ex- how to move. Yeah. And it's supposed to move. You're going to start getting bed sores and you're going to get pain from that. And even then, you said it a second ago that the doctor, because look, everything, if you wanted to start, no matter what, right? If you're dealing with anything, addiction, m- mental health, or irritable bowel, <laughs> what do they tell you to start? Start with your physician. Right. And I said it, I think, on the last podcast, too, when I said physicians, when they prescribe antidepressants, are practicing out of their scope. And technically, they're not. But I think they are. Because the psychology that they have in the research is null and void at the moment. Right. And the five minutes you spend with them is not sufficient enough to hand out a diagnosis of possible depression. Right. And so when you do that, you're practicing out of your scope, Mr. Dr. Man. Right. I'm sorry, you fucking are. Unless you spent 30 minutes to an hour assessing this client, talking to them about their their history, their medical history, assessing their nutritional intake. If you've done that, maybe, and they're baselined out, for sure, maybe you can start with that diagnosis. But what do they do? It start with your physician. They start with your physician. Hi, good talking to you for three minutes. Here's an antidepressant. Have a good time. The first question they should ask is, why are you depressed? Mm. They never think about that. You're depressed. What, why are you depressed? What happened? Yeah. yeah. Same question, right? Yeah. That question I asked you. Yeah. And so even people dealing with obesity, and even if you're listening to this podcast and you're dealing with weight, what I understand to be, it's not that you have a personal defect or something's wrong with you. That's not what's happening. Is You have this notion that either you're diseased or you just can't do it. Or something is different about you. Or you need to get your stomach stapled. It's right. There's yeah. too many easier options. I don't know. And so when that doc's looking at you just saying, look, oh, you must be depressed like you said. Mm-hmm. It's that question. Well, what happened? Is there a way that we can maybe get 50 pounds off you to where maybe the depression's not going to be there? Maybe you are depressed because you haven't slept good in three years. Sleep apnea. Because you're in chronic fucking pain. And you're fucking overweight, and you're you're, and now the gut bacteria is not feeding the dopamine and serotonin yeah. to your brain well. Right. Your brain's not functioning well. Your gut's fucked up. You haven't slept in forever. You're eating like shit, and you've been living like this for ten fucking years. And your mom just died. Okay, all right, we got some shit to work on, right? right. Yeah. Not like here's a couple fucking pills. Now, mind you, this pill may want may make you think you need to kill yourself. It's a roll of the dice. It's rare. It's yeah. rare. Okay, yeah. so 
I get it. Yes, I could tell you to eat some natural food that will, will, will you know, it'll, it'll not kill you at all. Yeah, no, you won't die at all. Right. There's no risk at all. No, no, no. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably cheaper. Yeah, but, vegetables. But this one, mm-hmm. don't be surprised if in two days you wake up and I don't know, you have the notion to want to hang yourself. And you walk into school and start blasting people away. That's right. And you just lose your shit. Okay, so you know, we'll try that method. Yeah. This is what the fuck we're doing, dog. Yeah, that's that's the the and that's the answer. That's what they think the answer is. And you know, it just takes people to you know. The best thing we can do is just get people aware of it. You it know, is. You yeah. know, just, hey, people, don't don't go out and try what they're t- telling you right off the bat. Go out and just try to change your diet. Try to do something before you even, and it, it takes some self-responsibility because you got to have, you gotta, you know, care about yourself to, like, not put yourself in that situation. That's a big point, you caring know, about you, yourself. You really have to go, well, do I really want to start taking some heavy narcotic to feel better every day? Maybe I'm supposed to be depressed about something, and maybe I'm just not haven't dealt with it yet. Maybe I have a lot of anxiety of a, about a situation that I haven't dealt with it yet. So instead of putting it off and not dealing with it, please go out there and try to deal with it. Talk about it. Maybe, find out why. Maybe I'm supposed to be depressed. Explain that. I like maybe, that. Maybe there's something you need to work out. You're depressed about something. There's got to be a reason, you know, and sometimes it's subconscious. They don't even really know why they're depressed. They just know they feel bad about something they don't want to talk to anybody else about and much less even think about themselves, but something is getting at them. So they need to figure out what that is and deal with it before you just jump into saying, well, something that's going to make you feel better because the pill will make you feel better. Whatever they give you, I guarantee it. You will feel great. Yeah. If, if you, you don't, if you don't want to hang yourself. Yeah. You, you, you will feel great and yeah, it'll feel, will. it'll feel like it's working. But you still haven't dealt with why you were depressed. So you're just all you're doing is, is sweeping it under the carpet, and it's going to be there forever, and it might come back and bite you any day. Dude, you know, I talk about, you know, how if you talk to normal people, right, like myself. I'm kidding. We're not normal. <laughs> we're, I'm way insane anyway. But a normal way of saying is what I meant to say is people talk about how life is your standard peaks and valleys, right? They right. just accept this notion of peaks and valleys. Yeah. And sometimes when I sit in with a, someone I'm working with and I go, what do you mean there's just natural peaks and valleys? And I'm like, I would, I'm going to argue that point and say, no, there's not. Yeah. And now, of course, they take issue with me because one of my biggest beliefs is that there is no reality, right? It's just perception. There is no truth. We create our own truth. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to say that there's peaks and valleys, just like you said, is the peaks and valleys, I could say that, you know what, I've learned and probably grown most as a person in the valleys of my life. Yeah. Not the peaks. No. And so could I then celebrate really that my valley technically was my peak because that's when I changed? Right. And so if my perception then is that, is there really peaks and valleys or am I just doing this? Well, think about this. If you're on the peak and say, if you're looking at it, you're on the peak of a mountain, you're up on top and you're looking at everything else around you, right? And when you're in the valley, you're in there by yourself and you don't see anything. You got no view. You're just in there with yourself. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that valley, you're dealing with your own personal shit. You've got cabin fever. You're in that valley. And that's why, you know, the view isn't so great. You're not seeing anything. Yeah. You know? But when you get to the top, you're so distracted with everything you can see and everything as you're absorbing everything. So that's the, pe- the peak in the valley. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when you're in the valley, you're stuck in your head and you right. can't get out. So you need to start climbing that. You got to do something. To start climbing that mountain again. Yeah. And for me, I would start out by first, I start out by first trying to get the people I'm working with to understand that there really are no peaks and valleys. That's the first attack that I go. Right. Is that because they love to talk about I'm in a valley or whatever, describe, well, last year I was just, everything was great. You know, these are the waiting for the other shoe to drop people, Mm -hmm. right? Everything's great now, but I know, right? The shoe's going to drop, right? Life's peaks and valleys. And I go, just stop for a minute. 
who told you that life has peaks and valleys? Because if there's peaks and valleys, first life would have to be fair. Right. Well, we know life is not fair. And so, but if we also know that we become really, I mean, we get our best ultimate life training, like you said, when we're in that valley alone, Mm -hmm. that's when we get our best training. And so, like you said, though, we may not see it. The view's not as good. We may not see it. But if you do know that in the past, you can look back at when your life was hard is when you got the best, is when you earned the most wisdom, Mm -hmm. then I can just flip my perception to say, if that's true, if the best lessons I get are in this valley, then truly that's my fucking peak. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm at my best. And so then if my other's my peak, then there are no peaks in fucking valleys. Motherfucker, I'm just doing this. Mm -hmm. And so trying to change that first belief that they have that there even is peaks and valleys, that's, that's what I attack. That's what I go at is that first belief, that first perception. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so if you can change that, then it's like, fuck, then when shit happens, you're like, fuck, I'm learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? You embrace that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've learned a lot from people with going with they've gone through and it's been, you know, if if it didn't kill me, it made me stronger, you know, and that was a lot of, a lot of things that I had to do that, you know, I'm glad I was an example for other people. Say, look at, don't do what I did. Dude, you still are, man. My, like my brother was like, he, he saw me going through a lot and he's like, you know, I kind of, you know, he's, he knew not to do what I was doing, you know, but I had to, you know, sacrifice myself kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, he did really well for himself. You know, he kind of. Dude, I talk about a lot that sometimes the best lessons are the modeling, the observation. Yeah. It, and, dude, and I see that now, you know, I see people that are, that are so messed up, you know, and I just watching them go through it. I'm like, I'm learning, I'm still learning from them because I'm, even if I'm not even their, their therapist and I can just see them going through what they're going through and I got an idea of it and I'm not really wrapping myself up personally with them yeah but i can i can identify what with what they're going through and it's not me it's them sorting it out but i see how they're dealing with it and what their problems are and i'm learning from that you know just 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 from them how how they how they have to take this approach and what they're going through you know you really have to get an idea of what they're going through to understand about it and then then when the next person comes along you can see well everybody's a little bit different but they have similar problems you know yeah so that takes, that takes, it, it's, it's always constantly learning from people. And that's, that's great for me, you know, cause I'm, I'm just growing out of that. And that's all I just kept growing from it. You know, I love it. Dude, I, I love doing it. I agree, man. With, without that, hu- that humble principle, that humility, you know, for me, I do come across like a real fucking dick sometimes, dude. I know I do. And, and what I got to learn, what I'm trying to get better at is I really do in my head, I'm humble, right? But I still come across as pretty concrete. But what I'll do is if somebody presents me with information, and maybe this is a poor way to take it. I don't know. I'm still working on it. But when somebody presents me with new or challenging information toward my beliefs or something, yeah. you know, what I tend to do is I go as I'll poke at it first to kind of feel it out, kind yeah. of like I'm sniffing it out first. Yeah. But I kind of attack it in a sense. You yeah. know, I kind of go, well, you know, I poke holes at it. But what I'm really doing that they don't know, I just sound like a dick. You know what I mean? But yeah. I'm what, I, what I'm really doing is trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So if I can find the weakness in it, yeah. then I know if I can use it and where, you know, where I can apply it. And sometimes I'm trying to, I, maybe I should get better at that. It's because people present me with good ideas and good criticism, good thoughts, you know, and I'll go, yeah, but if that's so, couldn't this or this happen? And yeah. then they're kind of like, you know what, Dick, I was just fucking having a smoke saying something nice. Yeah. And I'm like, what? no, dude, I liked it, but I'm just trying to figure it out. Yeah. 
You yeah, know? I don't, I'm always doing that. You know, I I, I don't want to take anybody's perspective on it. You know. Oh man, she's telling on you. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, it's the same. Yeah. You know, and it's true though. But you, what I'm really trying to do, maybe by poking at it, is going like I'm learning. I'm trying to learn from it. Yeah, I I, I like poking the bear. You know, because I want to see what's going to happen. You know, how how are you going to figure? You know, how do you if you're going to set off a, a rat trap? And it's sitting there, you want to just pop it. You know, you got to poke it with a stick. It goes off, and that's where you know it's at. You know, <laughs> right? You know, if there's landmines out there, you throw something out there and let it blow up on that, and that's where you know. You know, okay, that's what we got to work on. That thing that's blowing up over there. That's, that's it. where the danger's at. Okay, let's get over there and start working on that. You're you know? get you're a fucking get in there kind of dude too. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 go tinker. You yeah, know? that's what I do. I get all fucking warrior esque with people I work with. I'm like, look, we're gonna go fucking hunting. All right, we are going hunting for your cognitive negative concrete beliefs. All right, we're we're going hunting right now. This is a fucking war. Yeah. You know what I mean? I bring them in like we're going. You know, so they'll end up getting hyped that we're getting because we got to do something. You know, and too much a lot. A lot of what also led me away from the clinical work and even from insurance funded private practice because yeah. insurance funded private practice still schedules what you have to learn, what right. you have to teach, kind of at yeah. least in your noting, in right. your charting. You know, it was being able to, like we said before, work outside that box and come at something totally different and, and get inside and blow up the minds, you know, yeah. from a distance rather than have to walk in in this uniform way. Yeah. Yeah. So then you, you, and you're getting, you're getting through to more people that way. And I think the, the fact that these other ideas that we're doing and we're getting through and we're getting people better, then those people are going to go out there and, and say, yeah, I got better, but I didn't do it that way. I did it this way. So I always tell people that. You know, if, if you're out and, you know, living your life, your normal life now, you don't, you're, you're, you're recovered, which is what I like to tell people is they're, they're recovered. And, and, and I go, look at, you got better this way. Don't be afraid to share it with somebody when you see them going through it, because then the more people know about it, you know, then that person that you didn't tell, they're going to go jump into a system and they're going to get thrown through a, a government funded facility. And they're going to just go around, around, around. And you could have told them that you got better another way. Do you know what I mean? So I, I always tell them, look, at, pay it forward with somebody. Tell them how you got better. Your approach was a little bit different than what they're telling you. So don't be afraid to go out there and tell everybody else, you know? And you just did that today on the podcast. Yeah. So, so I appreciate you coming on to tell me how you did it. Yeah, that. you can do it as long, whatever works for you, you know, and you just, you need to find out what it is and, and it's, it's, it's your life. Live it how you want. You don't want to live like the way you're living. It's your life. You got to figure out what you want to do and do it how you want. And it doesn't have to be the way they, they tell you to be. I love that. You know I mean, I just, I, you know, getting people and then don't be afraid to tell everybody else, man. Get out there and learn from it. Fuck yeah, man. So what's the name of the facility again? Artesianrecovery.com. Uh, Artesianrecovery.com. Artesianrecovery.com. And we're in Stewart, Florida. And we're, we're really, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to grow with the, the wellness end of it. And we're weaving, getting more and more ideas in. And we've only been there since August working together with the wellness class. So that's a new, that's a new thing that we got going. So it's, it's, it's growing and you're going to hear more of it. And we're hoping to get this a good solid model yeah. and maybe start taking it in other places. We want to get this idea that we have in our head. We're trying to make it live and make it a reality because it's in our head. Yeah, it's in our, it's in our head, and we want to make it live now. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. We're trying we're trying to create. I want to it. do it. Yeah, yeah. Come on down. You can give us a you can give us a uh, come to our afternoon group and give give. Can I? Oh yeah. Come on I want to come down and see it. Yeah, it's great. It's a it's it's right in Stewart. Who's the the doctor lady? 
uh, Joan Collins. She's a uh, Dr. Collins. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Joan Collins. Dr. Joan Collins. And she's she was the founder of it. It was her. All this has been her idea from the get go. And we're just now we're collaborating our ideas with her ideas to try to make it. Who's the, our? When you say our, who's the our? Uh, me, Brooke, uh, Michael, and Eric Johnson. All right, Eric Johnson. And Eric Johnson, Michael Johnson, Brooke Kemmer now, and Eric Kemmer. Okay. And Joan Collins is the one that we're partnering up with because we all, the four of us come from California and from a similar background. And she has a, another uh, background that we're interested in, which is the wellness, the wellness end of things and the diet. And we want, we want her thorough knowledge on it. She just, she doesn't stop reading and researching about everything with, with addiction and, and with taking supplements instead of taking pills. And she's, we'll take a sodium ascorbate, I believe it's called, right? It, yeah, and then for to clean people's system out, drinking water. She's just totally holistic with it and new. Completely. I, yeah. You know what? Uh, open invite to uh, Dr. Collins for the podcast. I'd yeah. love to have her on the show. Yeah, she's a whiz. Yeah, yeah I'd love to have whiz. her on the show, man. Yeah. You she, think she'd come on? Yeah, I'll talk. It's a bit of a drive. I'll, I'll talk to her about it. Yeah. yeah you know what? Maybe you know what? I, I could bring the podcast to her. Yeah, you come down, check out the facility. It's a yeah. real nice facility, and. Uh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for ideas and to, to make it, you know, successful. And well, we I want to help. I want to help put you guys out there. Yeah. I mean, I love this idea. And look, I mean, that, but I want to come check it out, you know, and see mm-hmm. what, how it's working, you know, being, you know, see, you know, it sounds amazing. I mean, how yeah. it's doing. If this, if this is a step, even if it's a step toward that direction, right. even if you still have to work with the detox facilities because of insurances, you got to walk that tight road. The These road. are the fucking policies. Yeah. You know, I want to help change those policies. If we can use the Cognitive Rampage podcast to put the awareness out there about there's another way. I want to change the policy, not just awareness. Yeah. I want to put the awareness, but I want to attack state policy. That's and, where it starts, though. People need to know. Yeah. People need to know that there's another way than what they're telling you. Well, I want to, we'll let them know that way. And if we can help in the state of Florida somehow by getting the awareness out there, mm-hmm. but literally trying to find the policy in the state that makes you have to stick to the idea of this inpatient detox to get these pills, these synthetic pills, yeah. as opposed to just coming directly to an intensive outpatient with a holistic detox unit. Yeah, just don't let the pharmacies, pharmacy companies know. <laughs> oh, man, I get death threats every week now, dude. Yeah. When I started, man, it was just from the AANA people mm-hmm. when I was working in the clinic. And then outside of the clinic, since I've been here and been on uh, after Joe, I got enough death threats. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, and then they've increased. And now it's up to like maybe if not a full death threat, it'll be like this, you know, uh, violent threat kind of thing or mm-hmm. something just, you know, pretty out there. But I'm up to once a week now. So, no. yeah, if it was the pharmaceutical companies, I won't even know it. I'll just come home one day and it'll be some ninja in my motherfucking <laughs> garage and I'm done. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or Tony. Yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> the, the best thing you can, we, that we can show people is just results, and you know, I, we keep making results, getting people better with these new approaches, with with supplements and with IV amino acids, and we start doing things. We start showing people that are better. People just talk. You know, they, yeah. hey, I, I know this guy that got better like that, and then that's that's how they've been rolling. You know, and yeah. it just it just works. You know, so we just keep we're just going to keep doing it and trying to reach as many people as possible. You know, before I, I close out the podcast, I do want to ask you, uh, there's actually two questions I want to ask you, maybe three, right? Kind of some fire out questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you think of chemical incarceration, what do you think of? I think that right away when people are, are given, when they're, when they're told that they need to be on a certain medication and that they're then that also that they're told that when they try something that they're addicted for life and they then they're telling, they're telling people that they're never going to be able to 
they're never going to be able to survive without it. And that's the incarceration, I think. Then already they made their decision. Their mind is made up. So right there, when the doctor tells them, you need this to feel better, and when they when they get that idea that once they start doing it, that they, they'll never be able to stop, that idea, just that thought in their head is what keeps them there. And that's that's what's ruining everything. Thank you, sir. And if you had to give direct advice out there, and I'll make the last two questions kind of one part. If you had to give direct advice out there for somebody that is maybe where you were when you were in SoCal, walking out of that fucking pen, or maybe headed to that pen, anywhere in between there, if you had to give them an advice what to do, being affected by the same things you were in some fashion, and mix that kind of with kind of maybe telling them, ending it with what your life philosophy is to date. I would, I would get, tell them, get busy, start doing something. And the first thing that's going to, you're going to get out of that is self-confidence because you can see that you can do something. You know, so a lot of when that guys come out of there, they think that they can't do anything. You know, they're going to, they're going to believe. And that's what they're believing. And that's what the probation officer will tell them, especially when they can't get a job. You know, you can't do shit. Yeah. Then they start to believe it. And then they, they believe, and then they're telling themselves that. And then it just perpetuates from there. The first thing you need to do is get out there, do something, start working. You know, work, you're going to have to work your ass off 60 hours a week digging ditches, which is what I did. I started do, digging ditches for, for nothing. And I had to just work, work, work. And then I would get up and run in the morning and start losing weight and just getting eating right. I just had to, you have to just get out there and, and do something, change something. And even though you don't think you're going to, and anything is ever going to change, just don't do it because you, you think anything is going to change. Just do it because you feel better that day and you got something to show for yourself. And then you start to believe that you can do something. And then once I found out that I can do anything, then I just kept, then I started doing anything, you know, like, oh, man, I started to believe, I, now I believe that I can do anything and, and I'm just figuring out, well, I'm just going to do anything then. And then you're going to just going to keep growing from there. So that you get that confidence back and you realize that you can do anything, go out there and start doing whatever you want. Yeah, man. Fuck yeah. And your life philosophy to date, man. Life philosophy, never stop growing, never stop learning. And just grow every day. You're gonna you're is better than yesterday. Oh man, that's it. I love it. Short and sweet, dude. Yeah. Podcast hasn't been short and sweet, but I fucking love it, man. I thank you for coming in from Bali, landing with your wonderful new wife, <laughs> Mrs. Kimmer. And hey, thanks for being a soldier next to him for what a decade now, and yeah. and, and helping. You know, I said on the last podcast or a couple podcasts ago. Some sometimes, man, I, I just seem to find it when you find a, a strong man who's making changes in his life and and is out to. I don't know. It's not even about succeed as it is help change. Just do something good, man. Yeah, I, I like doing something. You know, doing it, something good because like, it, it's not about it's not about what like you know. I'm just I, I'm doing something productive for other people and I'm and I feel like I I have that self confidence that I'm doing something right and good and and I'm doing something. So then that's. All you need there. You know, I feel great about myself. I feel great that I can do all the stuff and things have been coming together the way they have. That's it. It's simple. Why don't, why people complicate it? I don't know. Just keep it simple. Dude, I love it. My man got, he got filled up with one more cognitive rampage. Like I was saying, when you find the man that makes some changes like that, that's out there really helping people doing things, being strong and different, you'll find a good woman next to him and you'll find a strong woman next to him. You know, 10 years, she's riding it out with you, man. You know, like I said, my wife deals with me. Like when Buddy told me I was a shot of adrenaline, and my first thought was my poor wife. You know what I mean? She has to deal with my fucking ass. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, shout-outs to the good women that are next to the men trying to make changes, and, you know, shout-out to the good men that are next to the women trying to make changes out there. 
I mean, they can do it. You're fucking living proof of it, brother. I mean, you're spitting cognitive rampages. You're helping out in the most authentic ways you know how. I mean, my hat's off to you, dude. You're a fucking superhero, in my opinion. Thank you, man. I mean, thank you for landing from Bali here and coming here before you go back down to keep saving lives, man, and, and telling your story here. Yeah, man. I'm glad to be here, man. It was great. You, you, you'll do it again? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, good. I'm to get Joan up here with me. Yeah, if she doesn't want to come up, man, I'll come down anytime, really, and uh, I'll, maybe I'll bring the podcast to her. We'll okay. get Steve, and uh, i got to ask my producer, Danny, if it's cool. But I'm going on a the book tour. The, my book will drop uh, January 16th, 2016. The book comes out, The Cognitive Rampage, A Dose of Authentic Revelation. And it's along the lines of a lot of stuff we've been talking about. And when that book drops, I'm actually going to start a book tour. We, we got this RV. We are going to take the podcast on the road. That's great. Yeah. And we're decking it all out, Cognitive Rampage. We're taking basically the cave, and we're going to put it in the RV. Yeah. And uh, we're going to start out on the F&K podcast uh, down in St. Pete Beach with uh, some buddies of mine with this really funny, awesome, cool podcast I love listening to. You guys do really good. Um, maybe we go from St. Pete Beach, drive across to you guys, yeah. and come to Artesian Wellness Recovery yeah. and do a podcast with Joan. Yeah, you know, and I'll do some talking. You know, I'll run groups all day. If you, I mean, I'll literally talk Saturday, Sunday. I'll run groups as long as you want me to. And talk for a while do a podcast before we go on our next journey we're driving up to new york oh yeah and so we're gonna take a week or two and stop at recovery places shoot dude i'm gonna pull over wherever i'm eating at and i'm gonna just start talking i'm just gonna go all fucking nuts man and i'm gonna be talking book and change and you optimize your life that's what my whole book's about is changing your life yeah. whether it's addiction or even just moving to the next level there's always another level that's right yeah. man and if so you can apply to everything forward, you're going backwards that's it so if i can come down dude fuck yeah see i'm all hyped up too dude we play off each other man yeah dude yeah. We got, we're gonna talk fucking more man yeah we're gonna fire we like to fire where can people find you man uh, uh like i said uh w, w or on twitter is uh, eric kemmer at uh I think it's Eric underscore Kemmer, E-R-I-C underscore K-E-M-M-E-R on Twitter. And then it's Eric Kemmer at Instagram is the only other one I got. All right. Not too uh, social media savvy, but I'm starting to learn. No, that's all right, man. <laughs> you, know, you get out there. You you know, I get a lot of some leads to some good people. I find great podcasts. Yeah, I found you, man. That's yeah. fucking true. Yeah. yeah. I was on, and then I just, because I heard it, I'm like, oh, man, I got to look it up. on. I have a Twitter account. The only reason I had a Twitter account is because I was uh, dealing with other clients and stuff like that, and they had a Twitter account, so... I just was kind of, you know, following that. Isn't that fucking nuts? The, yeah. the, like the time and chance stuff. You know, the, the time and chance that you happen to hear me on in a podcast in the background. Yeah. That happened to be the time that you were here that all connected to a Twitter account you only yeah. happened to have because you were helping somebody. Right. And you saw people that did it, that found a Twitter, that we said hello. Yeah. And, and it's connecting people, man. Fucking now you're yeah. sitting in the cognitive fucking cave and you just went off on a almost a two-hour fucking cognitive rampage on the podcast, bro. Yeah, it was great, man. Man, I fucking love life. Life is so cool, man. I love it, dude. Thanks again. Um, that's where everybody can find you. Brooke, you want to put yourself out there? No? All right. Staying low-key in the cave. She's really on uh, social. She's really not social media. Savvy. See? Yeah. See, my wife's introverted. You're like fucking me, right? Yeah. This is yin and yang here. Yeah, yin and yang. That's like the most powerful couple you could ever be and the most scary. Yeah, because <laughs> we get things done, man. If you work together, it's fucking unreal. Yeah. If you disagree, fuck. <laughs> well, we disagree all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah, always yeah. right. You know what? You know the only time you're going to be on the podcast, Brooke is saying, "I'm always I'm right." Always right. <laughs> dude, thanks again, man. All right, man. Cool. Appreciate you coming out, dude. Oh, I love it, man.
I hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation there with Eric Kimmer and briefly there at the end with Brooke Kimmer. Uh, We actually ended up talking about an hour after that, um, trying to find a way we actually may uh, start working together to help people uh, change their lives, you know, and find ways uh, to optimize treatment approaches for different people. But uh, Eric's a great guy. Uh, just a strong story, you know, coming out of prison like that and then just making his mind up and deciding to go, you know, mentor underneath, uh, Warren Boyd and take a chance. And he put his time in and he's really, uh, worked his way, uh, to the spot he's at now. He really does, uh, live in a cognitive rampage. Uh, I can't wait to, uh, work with him in the future. You'll definitely, uh, hear him and Brooke back on the show again, too. And just to keep you up to date, uh, you will also hear uh, Dr. Parker Mott. I will be dropping uh, that podcast this Thursday. Um, if you're listening to this now and the day it dropped, it is Monday, December 12th. Yeah, that's the day. Uh, but I hope you enjoyed, man. Uh, I, I really love those two. Uh, they're a really amazing couple. Um, you know, they left a few things out that they actually treat people together, that they work uh, as a group. Um, she has been with him, uh, through the whole thing really. And they recently just got married as we talked about, but, uh, maybe we can get Brooke to, uh, open up a little bit next time, but you'll see, uh, be on the lookout for Dr. Parker Mott this Thursday and uh, a few more guests coming up, but we will be hitting the road January, 2016 on January 16th, taking the podcast on the road for the book tour, the cognitive rampage. A Dose of Authentic Revelation. My book drops next year, January 16th, 2016, and we'll be hitting the road. And also taking the podcast on the road, I'll be speaking at various places and appearing on a bunch of different podcasts and anywhere else I can get my word out to help people uh, change or optimize their life. We'll be taking that uh, big RV from uh, St. Pete Beach and my buddies uh, Chris and Jesse at the F&K Podcast starting out there and driving all the way to New York in about a week or two. But um, my uh, big ups to my buddy, uh, my producer and filmmaker, um, Daniel McNamara, today they started shooting uh, the first day of filming for his uh, big feature film, Literature to Larceny. So shout out to you, brother. Um, I know you killed it today. We'll be talking later, but thanks for listening to Cognitive Rampage Podcast, and I hope you're taking care of you.